We are now live. Welcome, Weezy Moonchaser. It is great mm. to have you here. Welcome to Bridge the Gap. My name is Holden Stefan Roy, and this is, in fact, the show where we take interesting people such as yourself and we try to walk through the story of your life to extract the knowledge nuggets that we can get from your various experiences, <laughs> upon which I imagine your experiences are wild, right? Because you've been at. <laughs> Just to like let the people know that, like sometimes you hear somebody talk and you're like, "Yo, yeah. I don't know how this guy maintains the energy." Like I, I do this <laughs> thing, right? And we can all accuse me of having a flat ass, boring voice sometimes. Like it has peak ups and downs. Weezy's yeah. like this nonstop, charged up energizer buddy level of right. energy. The ultimate fucking radio hype. Man, like you just. You could probably go on fucking Cameo and just be like, $50, I'll give you the best intro of your life. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know what I'm saying? And I should have been doing it a long time ago. That's one of my biggest regrets. But in in the defense of you, I think you're one of the best well-spoken hosts in mm. the country. Like, fuck how your country. voice sounds. Shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I can say that because, you know, I travel and I do this thing. Fuck how your voice sounds. You actually sound smart and you are smart. So I'll take that conversation over anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like some dudes, some dudes, they may sound hype, but they're not saying nothing. Mm. And, and and that that's always been like coming into this. I was like, okay, well, if you're going to be a broadcast, if you're going to be a podcast, if you're going to be a host, what are you trying to say? You know what I mean? I'm hyping stuff on my shows, but I'm trying to have uncomfortable situ- uh, conversations with people in a fun kind of manner. You know, try to put my little salt Park satire on it a little bit. I appreciate it. I like your energy. I've uh, peeked in little pockets of the different things. I'm more, I always like to go back when I look into people. Your recent stuff's cool, but like watching your 2018 views and things like that. And that, but then to see the consistency over time is also yeah. wild. Like when you can go back and see that it's the same guy. You're also just before we like really get into it. Somebody that everybody that I've talked to speaks highly on your name. I didn't know who you were to be honest with you until. <laughs> Fucking Lorelai, you did the thing with her, and she's like, yeah, I'm going by your crib, and I'm meeting up with Wheezy Moonchaser, and I'm like, what the fuck, who is this guy, what is this, and then I'm like, what's this morning detour, they're on Cult Montreal's top 10, what is going on here, who is this person? And yeah. it's, it's a whole like universe that like is yeah. in this Montreal ecosystem of English media that people should know mm-hmm. about. So for me, it's really cool to have you here. Um, yeah, likewise, man, thanks for having me, man. And uh, with that, to get started, in order to do the opening question, right, because it still applies to you. You're connected enough to music and stuff. Yo, shout out Don Smooth for popping in. Yo, I saw you were chasing Don Smooth. Don Smooth's in the house. Yeah. (laughs) Let me say this piece about Don Smooth. You know, um, I kind of mirror a lot of things that we go through with guys in the States. And it's like, if we were in the States, Don Smooth would be my DJ Clue. He'll be my DJ Envy. He'll be my K-Slay, my Ebro. Like, coming up, Yo, I had my radio. I was taping them off the radio. And I was like, yo, I can do that. Like, I knew I can do it. And for most blacks, you know, that angle phones, our mothers never took off CJD. CJD has played in my house since the conception of time. So everything, so everything about radio and structure and coming in and out, it's unconsciously in me. Like, I remember listening, my radio in my house never turned off. CJD plays at my mom's house 24-7, 365, even on holidays. Like, she'll play her gospel music on another radio. Say so word. I came up on it. So I came up on it, and 
Don Smooth was so instrumental for me because he's like, okay, he gave me something to aspire for. Don Smooth, Fluxy, the art, the great Fluxy that's dead right now. But Don Smooth was everything to me. I think Don Smooth, he doesn't get enough flowers. And as I ascend into this radio thing, I'm always going to talk about Don Smooth. Don Smooth's the G. Honestly. He's the goal. He, he, he's my Jordan to my Kobe. <laughs> he's the late great. He's another one that I had no idea who he was till I started doing this current run of interviews. And his interview was fucking amazing. I really enjoyed the experience. But with that, let's get this started, right? Because the way you yeah. started talking is going to tie into this first question still. <laughs> I promise. But I do need to know, where where do you come from in this world? Are you born in Montreal? Yeah, so a lot of people, you know, they hear the American accent and, and they're like, yeah, you're from the States. No. I'm born in Montreal. I'm from Cote d'Ivoire. I'm uptown, Same um, the west side. So, so I'm yeah. So I'm near Coast and Catherine Metro. But what's interesting about me is that I've always been the kind of dude like I ran with guys in, all over the city. So that's why I have the hood to hood, and I did hood to hood mixtapes. And we'll talk about that we'll later get on. To that. Yeah, well, but um, yeah, I'm from uptown. I'm from uptown. But I like to say, you know, I'm the I'm the black. You know, Kofi Annan is black. But I like to say I'm the Canadian Kofi Annan. He used to be the president of the United Nations. I'm like Swiss. I'm cool with everybody. So I've always been blessed in all the boroughs, but I'm from Uptown. So it matters because of this first question. It's a bit of a story. I'm going to run it. And then when it lands, we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And this one starts with my girlfriend. When yeah. She's washing the dishes one time, and she's got her phone playing, and it's that Black Eyed Peas song. I got a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> she's like vibing. She's doing her thing. And uh, I'm looking at her, and I'm like, Yo, when did this when did this song become chores music? Right? Like it's like this song is now a song that you would put on when you're washing some dishes. Maybe you're on an elliptical or doing some exercise. It's a song that you put on when you're feeling really bored and you wanna go back to funner times. And I say that because let's be real, ten years ago, this yeah. song was the highlight of the night song. It, even it had been out for a bit. It was still the highlight of the night song. People loved it. You just have memories, dancing in circles, yeah. super drunk and stuff. Ten years goes by. The song doesn't change at all because it's a song. It doesn't change. But we as people, the context of our lives evolved so much that now it's chores music and stuff. And that yeah. got me like, it was a huge mind-blowing experience. I started thinking about these 20-year-olds. They are doing their yeah. thing. They have no idea that that's going to become their dishes music. What they also don't know is that when we hear that, it becomes our dishes music. And that's yeah. the reality of the situation now. <laughs> um, but with that, it's the journey aspect that got me like super fascinated. Like stuff just kind of evolves. And then when you we think about like uh you know just the media personalities rappers things like that mm. nine times out of ten when people start their story it's at the adolescent phase yo i discover hip-hop the first rapper i love was this even in your no. case don smooth inspired me yeah. it's these things are not often the start of the story they're like yeah. a super important chapter in the story but they're not the start like if you think about music right and influences and things like that mm -hmm. There is a good chance that whatever hospital you was born at, there was a song being played in the room when you came out the womb and that was being absorbed into your stuff. And I say this because, yo, I remember being like five years old and my dad has these gray boxes in the apartment. It has the, the yeah. tape deck and the amplifier and the radio and the wires going out to all the speakers and all this good stuff. I remember yeah. him playing his Led Zeppelin tapes and things like that in the day and at nighttime, MC Mario's club makes straight from one yeah. she clubs and whatnot. <laughs> And then, sure, like, sure. my mom's was into more of those, like, those little disco tapes you could get at Kushtar that were the really shitty knockoff versions and, like, musicals and things like that. I'd have to say that these were the sounds that were, like, comprising mm -hmm. my youth. The car had its own vibe. Everything was just yeah. there. 
I had no control over it, but all these different things was influencing me and would, in fact, impact me way later on when I got into yeah. my own journey. Uh, so with that, I was hoping you could take us back to being the youngest Weezy yeah, Moon Chaser. Yeah, I got one for you. Yeah, yeah you I got one for you. Think <laughs> of what it sounded like to be you, yeah. the whole vibe of that growing up, especially just growing up in Cotton Edge. You know, that's nifty. Yeah. So, yeah, so I'm going to take you guys back to some. Um, I think it kind of plays into who I am today being a host. Um, I was raised by a single mother from Grenada. So she came up here, I think, uh, early 70s. So she was brought up by, like, um, the Dietrich family. They're, like, one of the top three richest Jewish families in the city. So she just came up. So she was a single mother. So on the weekends, um, she had these um, these church folk used to take me on the weekend. So a lot of people don't know is that I used to be really, really deep into the church. Like I was there Saturday, Sunday. I was really deep in the church because my mom had to work and these church people used to take me. And in the early part of my years, I was being groomed to be a pastor. Hmm. But, but, but a lot of people don't know. So when I and, and it's funny now because one of the characters I portray, you know, during the holidays and Good Fridays over that, I do Pastor Thomas. But people think it's just pageantry and it is pageantry. But I was in my early years, I was supposed to be groomed to be a pastor. I have pictures of me in the suit. Um, apparently, I caught the Holy Ghost at four years old in church. I started spazzing out. It's a famous story. I went to um, Pastor Adler Church on the Carry. So I came up in the church. The only reason I stopped going to church like religiously is because I, um, when I became a teenager, I was going to Wager. I started playing AU oh, ball. You for went Sunday. to Wager? Yeah, I'm a Wager. Yeah, I'm a Wager alone. Say I'm fucking a- <laughs> word. <laughs> I'm well seasoned. I'm well seasoned in this game, right? So originally, I was supposed to be a pastor. And and for a large, until I reached like 10, 11 years old, that was kind of my mindset and kind of my trajectory mentally. Okay, so what's that like then growing up? Because that's like got to be a different experience. Like I went through the yeah. church a bit, right? So I, I, yeah. I had my like what I call a super Christian phase, but it was a little bit later on. And that yeah. ended up being a lot of restrictions to myself, yeah. a lot of things that I didn't pursue during my Wager run. It was yeah. just like a different like vibe. And then I got to Sage up, threw it all the way and went the other direction. Yeah, yeah. Everybody went crazy in Sage up. <laughs> no, no, for me, like mom, like, you know, as I said, I grew up alone with my mom. So it wasn't a case where there were super stringent rules. But you know, she was a single mother. Uh, you know, I was a young black male. Um, no, nothing beyond the the ordinary. But um I'll t- I'll give you a quick story. Um I I've been in a lot of plays since I was a kid. So I went to um, Pastor Adler Church, but I also went to Marcus Garvey Day Camp. I know it's super black, right? So in the in in the different communities in Montreal, they, we used to have black camps. So uptown Codenage, our camp was called Marcus Garvey Day. Yeah, it was called Marcus Garvey Day Camp. They no longer have it structured like that, but every neighborhood had a black camp. And at the end of the summer, every camp put on a show. So a lot of people don't know is that I, since I was a kid, I've been the main acting character in all the plays for about four or five years. So I had to. So you saw me all throughout the play, and all these kind of things just kind of played into who I am today. And same thing with the church. With the church, I was in the place too. And I remember going to Boston, and I freaked out of the crowd. Up to the up to to this moment, I can still remember as a kid, maybe like nine years old, eight years old, still remembering the fear of going up on stage in front of this whole auditorium of black folks from all over the country, and I never did it. And it was one of my biggest regrets. Like I, you know, even though I was like a kid. I never did. I checked it out. You know, the the moment was too big for me. And still to this day, whenever I get nervous, I'm about to do a big show. I'm about to interview somebody in porn. Even before I do this, I, I, I still think back to that moment. I still go back there. I'm petty like that. I don't let nothing go. Um, <laughs> I, I think, you know, um, 
a lot of people just want to glamorize their wins and the great things that they do. And few people want to showcase the L's, the losses, you know, times, you know, times where they stumble. And, and that was a time where I definitely stumbled, even though I'll be at eight, nine years old. I still vividly remember that and it still fucks with me. Like, I'm still pissed I mean, at that. I hear you. I'm going to say the fact that you were nine years old in a position to stumble like that is legendary within itself. <laughs> I would brag about that L any day. Of the week. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't like that L. But uh, but I love the church. Church girls are great. I love the church. My Some, some wild times in church, in, you know, some of my first sexual explorations happen on church trips happen you know um downstairs in church when they had the main thing going on and you kind of had that break between sunday school and going back upstairs yeah i remember vividly i remember vividly but you know listen man it's, it's the journey be me has been fun like the, being 35 i turned 35 maybe uh, uh four weeks ago and uh you sit back at your life and look at yo this has been fun this has been real fun yeah that's wild i mean <laughs> Honestly, my first my first experience was an elder's daughter, so I'm not gonna say I had it, <laughs> but like it's what it is. But yo, that's wild. You were at Wager at the same time as I was then. If you're that age, I, I went. Yeah, I went to Wager from '97 to '03, and then they uh, I got expelled my senior year. I got expelled. Um, I don't know if you remember um, this math teacher we had, Miss Tian, a little short Asian teacher. I started in 2000, so I don't. I don't we, know. We. We were there at the same time, and, yeah. and you were there. To, you were there at a great point. I think by 2000, I was in grade nine, I believe, and and that's when I um I went to my best friends one day, and I told them, and this is dope. In grade nine, I went to my best friends. It was lunch break, and I said, "Yo, come for a walk." Mikey Lee, my boy Alex Andrews, and we went for a walk around Wager. So you know, went by the back, by the by the courts and stuff, by Kildare and all of that. And I told them, "I'm like, I'm gonna be somebody great. Um, I'm gonna create a circle of cool for us." You know what I mean? I'm really good at this talking thing. I'm gonna be great at this. Just, just believe in my journey. And I told Mikey D that in, in Sec Three, and uh, since then he's he supported me. He used to drive me my early goings to venues and shows. And then here we are. When everybody said, uh, you know, it's just community radio. Everybody said, ain't nobody's gonna listen to you. And we said, well, not enough people like you. You don't have enough following. You don't have enough this. I just did it. Like you know, um, you know, me and Doc talk about this a lot. I'm like, I would have done podcasts and hosting even if two of my friends did it. I really just did it just to impress my boys to begin with. Well, definitely. But yeah, I've always said I was going to do this. That's amazing. I mean, personally, I think it's wild that we were in the same high school at the same time. I was definitely younger <laughs> than you. But I... No, and I no you look familiar, though. You look familiar, though. I was like, okay. <laughs> nah, I mean, I was there. I was, did you have the beard still? Nah, you didn't have the beard yet. Nah, I was very baby face. Yeah. I was not very cool at Wager. I was not... I was no, not. It, <laughs> the thing about Wager, the, the thing with that was double about, about Wager, and I tell people, you know, when I went to college, I went to Shabbos and Lambert College, and to, I'll be, it was my first time, I even know there's fucking schools in the South Shore. <laughs> so I go there and I'm telling people, first of all, being a black guy and not being on the basketball team and going to a, a, a popular CJ, everybody's like, well, why aren't you on the ball team? Well, because I want to be a marriage counselor, which all the, all the, every counselor I've had since high school have always laughed at me. No black guy goes to a, a, a guidance counselor like, yeah, I want to be a marriage counselor. So they always they always died laughing at me, but but I tell people, yo, it's it's been super super wild. So you go to Champlain, they knew about Wager, they knew like Wager is like this like like this um uh, it's, it's it's like Degrassi to other high schools. It was wild, like and <laughs> yeah, and Wager is like a weird dynamic. Like it's that it was it was like if you're white at Wager, it's an experience because like I counted on my grad class, there was like whatever it was. 24% of the class was white. 
Yeah. There's not a lot of places in Montreal that are going to give you no. that kind of a fishbowl experience. No, but we respected like, you know, you know, and speaking from from my standpoint, like running with the jocks and all of that, like my friends and I, other popular guys, we respected the white dudes. Um, our first day of school, our first grade seven, when Miss Sue Ellis, I don't remember she had the big fat oh my ass. Fucking God, I used yeah. to have the biggest <laughs> so, crush on Miss Sue Ellis. Okay. Oh, okay, so imagine she's our homeroom, our first day of high school. And every guy that sat in the back were all still friends to this day, except for one or two guys. We had one white guy in our crew, Chris Maggio. R.I.P. Chris Maggio. A couple years ba- uh, back, um, he, had, he had a car accident. He went through the windshield. So we lost Chris Maggio. But me coming from Iona, which is a predominantly white elementary, and coming to Wago, I was like, oh, my God, I saw his wife. But I've, I was used to going to Marcus Garvey Day Camp. But meeting Chris Maggio, Chris Maggio is probably one of the coolest white guys I've ever met in my life. And going to Wager and seeing that kind of dichotomy is like, okay, well, we're not really that different because Wager showed me oh, we could be white, black, Chinese. I had Asian friends and we were all cool. And then we had black nerds like Doc and all those guys and Anthony Cass and those guys. Like, okay, Wager was an interesting experience because you had nerds, Jewish white dude, white dudes, and then you had gangbangers from four or five neighborhoods in the greatest city of Montreal, all in one mountain pot. It was bonkers. And it was you got to keep it by like. We're talking about 350 people for the whole school, too. Like, we're not talking about no, like, 1,200. Everybody mm-hmm. in that school knew everybody in that yeah. school. So, yeah. like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the best experiences, my. What's dope about going to Wigan? I'm sure you took away some gems as well. You learned a lot of shit, like, a lot of street shit. Not just Facts. drug shit, but just like. You know, aside from, you know, aside from the book shit, which whatever, some of us didn't learn shit anyway. <laughs> we see, we've seen the result. But. You learn how to deal with motherfucking people. You don't have to deal with a lot of eccentric personalities. I don't know if you had that kind of experience at Wager. Like, there was a lot of big personalities at Wager. Yo, I definitely <laughs> realized... I, I learned a lot about racism. I'm going to be real. Like, mm-hmm. there's a lot of experiences I had later in life that made me kind of picture back on Wager. Like, I remember hearing it's because I'm black. Like, every day, all the time. Now, like, yeah. that's the type of shit where, like, coming from where I'm coming, I went to EBS and Montreal West, super white, everything in my world is like that. And then all of a sudden, it's, it's raps in your face. Yo, I don't know. I know, like, T.O.K. songs and shit. I only, like, you know, like, there's these whole cultural avenues that got opened that when I got to Abbott, it was like, they all thought I was a wigger. Like, straight up for, like, six months. That's what people would call me. Like, I didn't know how to speak white enough to blend in. Like... <laughs> I used to walk around and say shit like Yeager's boss. And yeah, like, <laughs> but you just did it. You just did it, right? If you went to Wager, like you just it didn't matter what you just ended up with this like mixed bag of slang. And like yeah. I don't think I'd be really into hip hop the way that I I don't even think I'd be here right now talking to you with my whole That's life crazy. if it wasn't That's for crazy. like Wager. Because you would see people and they'd be like Talk about it, hold it, talk about it. And then they'd be busting a little freeze. This is substitute teacher days, right? That was me banging <laughs> on a table. And then you, I wasn't participating, but I was writing my little emo raps in my little poetry book and shit, right? So, like, yeah, a huge part of that comes from, like, the experience. And then you talk to people in other schools. You talk to people who was the black guy in the next school and, like, yo, it's not like that. There was like maybe three or four schools in Montreal that had that experience. I think Riverdale in the West Side had a, a similar kind yeah. of vibe. And I don't know about the French ones. No, no, you you had, um, yeah, you had Riverdale on the West Side. And, and you, know, you could you could say Riverdale, Lindsay Place, however you want to dance with it. And then you had Marymount, uh, Riverside, Riverside and LaSalle. And you had Lauren Hill. 
Mm. You know what I mean? And, and we, you know, we see each other playing basketball against each other. But that's what Wager was. Like, I've often thought about it too as well. Like, how different would my life have been had I not gone to Wigan, let's say gone to a Marymount? It wouldn't have been the same. There's codes that I learned, even more so for me being black and being schooled by the OGs. There's codes that I learned going to Wager. And it, it helped me along doing the broadcasting thing in terms of discipline and like keeping your cool and understand like, yo, everybody has to eat. These are all things I learned at Wager. I remember a guy came to fight me, uh, grade, grade 10 or grade 11. I think it was grade 10. He came to fight me from LaSalle over some chick. And you know, back in the day, guys were always fucking emotional about chicks. Like they can cheat on the girl and do all kinds of back shit. Back in the she day, leave them. I would say she will, to this day. <laughs> she, yeah, she would leave him and God be it. You, you are nice enough to talk to her. Now, now he want to kill you. But when you had her, homie, you was fucking around. So he came to beat me. He came, he came to fight me. And if you remember, in front of the, the main entrance of Wake, we had that bus stop. Yeah. We had that bus stop. Him and his boys was in the bus stop. So I remember the OGs. I started taking on my hair. Because one of the things, I, I, uh, this is a dope, this is a dope, so I want to tell you this one. When you went to Wake and you were black, you got the sense, when I looked around my homies, I got the sense that every guy had his moment. There's a moment where your friends, yeah, they love you. They all ride with you. Y'all been day one since grade seven. But everybody had that moment. Everybody had a moment when they got tested. Everybody got that moment where their friends looked at them like, yo, hold them. What you going to do? Mm. <laughs> what, what are you about? So this was my moment. So I knew what it was when it happened. So I started taking on my hair, holding. I started lacing on my shoes tight. The OGs told me, yo, just let them hit you. We got it. Because, I, you know, at that point, that's kind of respect I had built up. But I was like, this is my moment to show people, like, yo, I'm not fucking pussy. Because people think because you're, you know, you talk quick and you're always about the ladies and you're about gear that you're not a G. Now, I might not sell drugs and my girl maybe doesn't dance on poles and I maybe I don't bust gun, but I'm still a man. Like, you're not going to fucking punk. I've seen shotas over 130 times. Like, you're not going to punk me off. So we come out. So we come out of way to the main entrance, you know, and I stepped to him in the, in the in the bus shed, not even thinking what's going on around me. So I said, what's good? And he says, yo, you think you're bad because you got the whole school behind you? I turn around and the whole, I remember it's the end of school. The whole Owager is behind me. And, and I, to this day, I'll never forget that because that's when you understood, like, Owager was a fucking fraternity. Where do you know? We had our differences. Everybody clashed when they wanted to clash. But, you know, it was a lot of fucking personalities. But I'll never forget that story. Like, that school really held, really held me down. And that was wild. And then nothing happened. Yo, I literally had friends, even older guys, like, yo, just let him hit you. We got this. What an experience, man. It's crazy you was there. You was probably in the crowd. You it's didn't possible. even know. possible. <laughs> yo, man, I mean, Wigger has worked out as a very effective, for lack of a better term, G-pass in this mm -hmm. game. Oh, you went to Wigger. Oh, yeah. you know some shit. You're, you're not. You're a different breed. <laughs> you, yeah. got, you got to sum yeah. up. Nah, I learned a lot. Um, I learned a lot about people like really loyal to their groups that was what i saw a lot yes of, yes like, and there, it was it was crazy in class like everybody would be besties and then out of class everybody would break into their various social groups subgroups yeah and then run it i just lived in the step thing and like fuck that so that was my whole life i i didn't have no crew i wager was not wager was not my favorite time uh but like <laughs> it was like a great experience but like so when you're at Wager, then are you like connected to a bunch of the people getting into hip hop and stuff? Because you like, yeah. there's a lot of hitters then that are at Wager, maybe a little older yeah. than you or are around your grade. Yeah. So what was dope about Wager is that I had older cousins in every grade, um, male and female. So I was always ingratiated, like you know, um, 
one of my cousins now, he's a he's a big DJ. DJ Starq is a blood is my blood cousin. And he's a major DJ. He go travels the world and plays. So I was, I've always been in the dance hall scene and the hip hop scene. And it was in high school when I really started to understand the music. You know, I'm talking about like when the blunt hits you and you really start to understand what the fuck Jay-Z was talking about. And that happened to me when he dropped uh, The Gift and the Curse. I was, I was smoking with some dreads. And, you know, you know, you know, this is the early years of smoking blunts. I mean, I, I started smoking weed when I was 13, legitly on my 13th birthday. It was like one of these rites of passage things in Uptown. And I remember um, smoking a blunt uh, a year or two later and finally understanding the music. I was like, okay, this is, I've, I've plateaued to this level of euphoria now where I can understand what the fuck is going on. And yeah, man, I, you know, I've always been deep into the hip hop, into the music culture. Like, I wish, Holden, that I could rap. Like, my whole life, I, I wish I could have rapped. But that's kind of how I got into broadcasting and got into podcasting. It's through these little rap sessions I used to have on my boy, uh, Big Brick by Rodney's house. We used to rap in his basement, in his mom's basement of, of his triplex. And it started just like a uh, exercise, just a vent. And then that, that just kind of built. So all these guys can rap, and I've always been good at doing the intros. So that's where that comes from. So all the hypes you guys see, we, you know, I've been sharpening this knife since Rodney's basement, since JD's side room. So um, that's kind of how we got started. So those guys rapped, and I did the intros. And later on in years, it translated to me hosting shows and traveling and doing that. So in a sense, you're like the flavor flavor of the squad. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've always been the hype man. I said I was like all respect now, right? Like at one point, maybe I might have been like kind of dismissive of that role. But yo, it's actually one of them. It's like the bass player. You don't really understand how important that role is on a live performance. Like what a hype man's supposed to do. Not a guy behind you doing that. And I'm telling you what a hype man's supposed to do yeah, is keep yeah. that crowd alive so you can focus on rapping or whatever you got to do and things like that. And like, I mean, I heard your hype man. Like you're you're basically two steps shy of a WWE announcer with the way you come in with it. <laughs> like I could picture you in one of them games like, so and so smashed him with a table. I'm like, fucking A. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but, you know, over the years, people have asked me, yo, how do you get that hype? You know, we used to do a lot of shows and put them out way before, you know, everybody started podcasting. And people used to tell me, okay, one, you're writing everything. And I do write a lot and I lose a lot of papers. I have, like, little post-its everywhere. My girlfriend buys me all these books, but I'm always cooking up shit. And, um, and then dudes are like, okay, you guys are getting high and fucked up at, like, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. That's how you get that hype. And what people don't know, a lot of shit you guys see, I'm doing that coming off a double of working or lack of sleep and i just get up and do like the morning detour we do that at seven o'clock in the morning i finish work at midnight the night before i don't get to bed till two and then i get up about 5 30 to do the mm. show at seven so for example the show i did yesterday the donda episode i'm fucking hype as shit that's based on the love of hip-hop that's based on the love of music the love of what i'm doing i had three and a half hours of sleep and i did that that's incredible. I'm miserable at five, three and a half hours of sleep. But I'm miserable too, Holden. But this is my one gift. This is my you. one gift. Don't, don't get me wrong. Somebody's like <laughs> 7 a.m. That's the that's the time. I begrudgingly figure it out. It might involve some THC and caffeine combinations, but like that's that's just neither here nor there. You see, you see, you see the problem with the weed with me. Um, when I host, I typically don't smoke until like I'm done, because mm. when my the way the way I take in weed is that I've train myself to smoke weed at the end of my day. So when I smoke it before I go hold something, my mind's thinking, okay, to come down, not to go up. So when I go hold stuff, I'm clean because I don't want to be, I don't want to be faltered. I don't want to be swayed. I want to give you 
that moment. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make sure everybody gets that moment when you mm. hear me. Weed just makes me listen way fucking better. I know it might not yeah. supposed to be, but I trust if I was sober, me too. I would have a harder time letting people finish their sentences. I get like way too excited. That was a huge flaw when I started this shit. But let's go back to you. So you're like at Wager and yeah. you're in high school, you're surrounded by people, you're doing your sessions, you're learning how to you're learning you can't yeah. rap, but you can be this <laughs> other role. So like what happens when you finish uh at Wager? Where what goes next? Do you go to Seja okay, yeah, so, or how does yeah. it progress? Yeah, so when I finished at Wager, yeah. When I finished at Wager, my sister dragged me to Shamus and Lime because I wanted to become right. uh I wanted Match to become a counselor. Marriage counselor, right? So Shamus and Lambert has the best psychology program. So I got into psychology at Shamus and Lambert. And now this is fucking different. Because now you're going from a fucking super black high school in Wager to not only am I leaving the island. I've never went to school off the island before. Now I'm going to the South Shore in Longbury. I got to walk onto the fucking Jacques Cartier Bridge every day to go to school. And now it's a whole different arena now. One, I'm now on the basketball team. Guys I played with AU ball at Sun U, they got selected. So you had that kind of vibe within yourself too. It's like, okay, well, they chose him, didn't chose me. And um So it's wild. A- so hold on. Like this whole like not making the basketball thing like really hits. Like No, it, it really hits. You know, listen, man. I have friends that play in the NBA. I have friends that have made money off doing it. And I understood the mentality that you need to have. Like, I love basketball. I love coaching basketball more. And I've coached AAU basketball. I've won the major tournaments in the States. I can't do it, unfortunately, anymore because of my schedule. It's like either broadcast or coach kids. But I'm definitely going back to coach kids. One of my biggest dreams is to open a youth center, like a boys and girls club, and um, have that going. So me and my friends, we all have that kind of same dream. I'm better at coaching. But back back in those days, yeah, man, you know, you played with guys. Obviously, guys were better scorers than you, but nobody had more heart than me. I was like Ron Artest and Dennis Rodman rolled into one. Ask anybody that saw me play ball back in the day, they'll tell you. I, I was Ron Artest before Ron Artest. I went ham everywhere. So we were in the States, in D.C., in New York. I was fighting niggas. I didn't give a fuck. It was like, oh, you guys are Canadian. You guys speak French. You guys live in Eagles. I'm like, no, we don't. Hold up. You got to tour playing basketball when? Um, in the summer for Sun Youth, the traveling team, we got um, one year. Um, one um, the summer that led up to 9/11, I was in I was in Connecticut at the St. Thomas More Prep School. Um, so the top basketball players, uh, high school players around the country, about 240 of us, were at this prep school for seven days, and we're trained by some of the best D1 coaches. And um, yeah, it was amazing. Um, I roomed next to Paul Pierce's nephew. Um, so Paul Pierce's uh, nephew is my neighbor. Uh, was my roommate uh, or or whatever. He bunked next to me. And, yeah, I played against some real dope guys. He told me stories about Vince Carter and Tracy McGrady and shit like that. The best basketball I played was that summer in the States before 9-11, and nobody ever got to stop, uh besides a few guys that were with me from Montreal. Yeah, that's wild. Still, I mean, just cool that, <laughs> like, you know, but, like, I know people that never left, right? Like, they just yeah. never go nowhere. Like, I don't think my mom left Pure Farm Auction the last 10 years kind of thing. <laughs> like, so, like, when you hear about the opportunities on how, like, getting ingratiated into basketball can lead to travel to, like, nifty shits, giving you, it's fucking wild. Like, those experiences yeah. are often tied to people who have higher ambition. People get to travel. I wasn't even looking at it like that. I was just like, because I was never a scorer. I wasn't a guy you gave the ball that, okay, Weezy's going to go kill it. You know, my, or my original nickname is Turtle. I'm a lockdown defender. I'm the guy you send and say, yo, Holden, Holden is their guy. And I'm guarding you 92 feet the whole game. I'm up under your ass. It's a different kind of mentality when you know 
you're going head to head with somebody full court for the whole game. That was my, that was my basketball journey. And every team needed a guy like that. Everybody, every team needed a Dennis Rodman, a Ron Artest, a dirty worker. And that's why I was. And that translated in the game in the States. But unfortunately, when we got to see Jep, um, they didn't, uh, I wasn't selected. So I still went to school because, you know, I was fucking smart and I just kept showing up. It's like at some point, you know, I'm going to figure it out. You know, leaving Wager, all I thought about was just wearing Jordans and dating light-skinned chicks. And then I go to college and it's like, okay, this whole new world opens up to me. Oh, shit. It's, it's different. You go from a, a serious black high school to a fully white CJ. There's girls from places I've never seen before. Well, at the time, Trois-Rivières, Saint-Hilaire, all kind of shit. I'm like, and they have no idea where the fuck Code is. They're like, I'm like, they're on the, on, the, on the metro line. They're like, that's crazy. But it was a dope experience. Going, going to CJ and Sham Salam was the best experience of my life. It sucked the first year. Those first two semesters sucked. Just kind of adjusting to who you are and how, the, how, you, how you fit into the school. Um, in my second year, I saw an ad for Champlain Radio. And, you know, I didn't think nothing of it. I was like, okay, whatever. And I signed up for it. And I went to the first meeting, obviously the only black guy there. And um, now, I was part of the, now I was part of the radio club. And, and just let me say this. The only black guy shit never fucking bothered me. Uh, and, and I'm going to tell you why, too, when I linked up with these guys from the Bronx. But the only black side never, I never look at shit like that. I'm just happy just to fucking be here. If, you know what I'm saying? Like, if I'm good, I'm just happy to be here because I always knew I had the talent. So I joined the radio club and I'm in there. And um, yeah, so my slot was Fridays from one to three. Shamblin St. Lambert has a room called the Band Ring. It's kind of centralized in the middle of the school. And that's where all the Italians hang out. So they have a studio, fully run studio in the back. And there's BRDs and tables and stuff like that and arcade games. All the Italians always hung out in there. But on Fridays, from 1 to 3 o'clock, I was the DJ. And, um, and this around time, uh, 50 Cent was doing his run with the mixtapes. So all the Who kids, all the K-Slaves. So imagine this is a white sea jump in South Shore. And all you're hearing on a, on a Friday afternoon is, Woo, kid, 50 Cent. And I was killing it. And for my God, that was okay. I had the bus. Yeah, prior- so is it yeah, like, prior- was yeah. it like... Um- Cause like Abbott had a radio station and it was like, you could hear it at Abbott, but it wasn't like on air. Was it like on air? Was it like, just no, no, it, wasn't, it, it wasn't, it wasn't on air, but wherever, if you're close enough to the battery, like there's speakers and whatever, if you're close enough, you can hear it. And it was like, remember the battery ring is about 10 steps from the cafeteria. It's around the corner from all the little clubs. So I was in the mix, but I was just doing it. I wasn't even fucking thinking about people listening or, or, or do people like it? I was just happy with the fact I'm at this white CJEP. I'm in psychology. There's only two black guys in my program, six guys, 47 girls or 42 girls. What? Yo, Abbott's psychology the, was not that nice of a split. <laughs> not, psychology is mostly, it was mostly girls at Shams and Lambert. I was the only hood nigga in the program. Like, like when I graduated and I hit the podium, everyone's kind of like, the one black guy graduated? Yeah, and the guy fucking graduated. And I wrote my thesis paper on prostitution. My original thesis paper was on um, inter, um, social exchange theory, and they failed me. It was, I was too avant-garde for them at, at that Wait, time. What was your first paper on? It was on um, the social exchange theory. And what was this for? Which course? In psychology, you got to write a 22-page uh, 20 page thesis paper to graduate. That's the, uh, the fucking, you do advanced QA, they, and then, yeah, uh, yeah, I did. Or you could do, you don't have to if you do an experiment. If you do an experiment, you don't have to do that shit. <laughs> I wasn't even thinking that. I was like, okay, fuck it. I'll do the paper. So 
but I'm um, back uh, back to the radio thing. Yeah. And um, I wasn't thinking nothing of it. I was just happy to do it. I was just happy to to be able to express my culture and what I like, which was fucking deep New York hip hop shit. Um, I came up okay, on the line. How are you getting plugged into that being in Montreal? Is it because like at this point the internet's starting to come to fruition, or like did you just have plugs to this? To what? To like deep New York hip hop. Oh, oh, I forgot. My godfather has always taken me to New York since I was a kid. So a lot of us in the black community, like we had this relationship. So you do uh, Toronto for Carabana, and most of us always did New York for Labor Day. New York for Labor Day, and you, then you went back for Thanksgiving. And then whoever, and then sometimes you go back for Christmas. I always did that with my godfather. It's always been instilled in me that at the end of summer, we're going to go to Labor Day. You save up your money and you can go on Flatbush and you can buy all your fly shit. And that's what the fuck you're going to wear throughout the year. So I did that. And um, I'm half Haitian, but I grew up with my mom. She's Grenadian. And I met the Haitian side of my family. I've always known who my dad was, but I never met my sister or my brother with my, for my dad. When I turned 15, I met them only to find out that where they hang out in New York by my aunt's house, it's down the street from where I always was staying with my godfather's family. So everybody's mind was blown. Like my whole life, my other part of my family was just down the street or a couple blocks away. But I've always gone to New York, always gone to New York. I've always been a big mixtape guy. Even at Wager, my man Tony, I was in the circle of guys. You know, we were on Napster, we was burning the shit. I always had the last, the latest mixtapes. My man Tony, shot my boy Jean-Luc. I always had that shit. Mm. I love that shit. I look, yo, I live. I live a fucking deep hip hop New York shit. I, tell you, I came up on the locks. I had I was I taped the locks off Don Smooth on K103, and I played that shit every morning before I went to Wager. And every morning, just in my head, you know what I mean? Like watch out for the niggas you come up with. You know what I mean? They're the first ones to rat you. Like Jadakiss was just in my head the whole time. And you put that plus Wager, and plus you have older cousins and older brothers that have, that that are established within the game or whatever social structure people want to frame up of popularity. Yo, you can only come out one way. You can still come out a fuck talk. I got family members I don't talk to. And, you know, we had some upbringings. They shit birds. Yo, people should just say fuck tart. I think that would get past all the censors. <laughs> like, there's nothing about that. I think it, it communicates. <laughs> it communicates everything everyone wants to say, but it's safe. <clears throat> fuck tart. Yeah, fuck tart. Fuck tart. <laughs> so story's crazy so yeah that's where i come from i've always gone to new york at least three four times and then in my 20s by the time by the time i was halfway done cjet i started dating i call her my ex-wife now because we were together for nine and a half years i started dating a girl that used to be at wager and she left in sec three or so she left for connecticut and i started dating her for nine and a half years my whole 20s wait she so was my in whole connecticut 20 while you were dating her she was in Connecticut and I was in Montreal and yeah, I was dating her for nine Yo, and a half say years. Say a word, that's some long distance shit. Yeah, before before it became a thing, I was doing it. So I was going down there at least two, three times a month, twice a month, and then she'll come up when she come up. Yeah. Holy yeah. shit. So, so I was with her from the time she graduated from high school, I think that last year. Then she went to university at Albus Mannings College, which is across the street from Yale. So I used to party with fucking Ivy Leaguers from Yale in the club, drunk and shit. I have mad stories. And then she interned at Sony. And then she and now last time when I left her, she was at um, when we broke up, she was at the Associated Press. So I went through that whole journey. So that's a lot of like I've had dinners with 
I've had dinners with, you know, with rich elite black girls that date guys that go to fucking that, that, that go to school with fucking Martin Luther King's son and all these other fucking people that date guys in our age group, but that, but they work on wall street and I'm some dude from fucking code Dinesh. That that's always been the story. When I tell when I, when I, my, they're like, what do you do? You're here from, we hear you're from Canada. I'm like, yeah, I'm from Montreal. It's like, so it was like one question was like, Oh, when are you moving? And it's like, yo, where are you from? I'm like, I'm from Cote d'Inez. They're like, what the fuck? I'm from Cote d'Inez, and I've done some dope shit. And I've always represented. And, you know, a lot of people tell me, oh, my gosh. I've had to fight people in the States to convince them that I'm from Montreal. I was in Philly one time, and, and these girls were like, no, there's no way you're from Montreal. I'm like, yes, I'm from Montreal. They're like, no, you're from New York. You're from New York. I hear the accent, B. You're from New York, fam. I said, no, nah, I'm from Montreal. I'm proud to be from Quebec. I think we have some dope people here. I think a lot of people have a lot of misconceptions on all levels, hip hop, business, all kinds of levels. They have misconceptions about us. That's why I pride myself. I'm good at hosting. I'm good at doing this radio shit. I make sure I do that well. So nobody can say we don't lock down radio because I'll fuck anybody up in the country on the radio. Toronto, Vancouver, Halifax. We yeah, represent on the radio. Yeah, there's a lot of talent here on the radio. Yeah. I mean, if you like take just the, if you include the whole podcast sphere, like, I don't know, man. It feels like there's just a few players. Like when I at first I was like, "Where the fuck is anybody?" But then you start digging, you start looking at the list and shit. You're like, "Oh, actually, there's quite a lot of stuff." There might not be a lot of hip hop stuff per se, yeah. but there's a lot of stuff stuff. Like yeah. shout out like Skin Deep and the fucking Geek Tastic Cipher and everything yeah. they're doing there. That yeah, shit's like lit, and they're like a group. And I think your guys are linked up with them, right? Like, yeah. So yeah. So so Skinny Skinny's another guy, and this brings you know <laughs> this guy. I I knew doing the show with you was gonna be magical because I love how everything kind of keeps going back to Wager. One of the things I always just tell people is that no matter who you are and what your status is, just treat everybody the way you want to be treated. And as corny as that sound. I'm gonna show you how that formula worked. I never looked down on Brian and those guys, even though I, I, you know, I was a jock. I played ball, and Brian and those guys—they were nerds. They were black nerds. So when my other friends dissed them, I was always cool with Brian and them. And you know, me and Skinny were old family friends. I've always been cool with these guys because I've always had this mentality that even though we have different interests, doesn't mean I can't still think you're fucking cool. You know, what I mean, you can still be a cool fucking human being. Too much people want to attach, want to attach them liking you to the, their label of you, opposed to just saying, Ooh. you know what. Holden, Holden is just a dope human being. Like, I just like, and this not no spiritual shit, no energy shit I'm talking about. Just like, on a human to human level, I thought Brian was a dope dude. I thought Anthony Cassidy was a dope guy. I thought Skinny had a good soul. And Skinny came to me one day. He's like, yo, we have this collective. And, um, you know, we'd like to bring you in. It's me, Doc. And I say, yo, I said, I respect y'all so much. Because, you know, I remember watching them on CJL. I'm like, y'all niggas are so smart. I'm a, like, I felt unworthy to even be a, be a part of, at the time it was Franklin Armstrong, now we're free agents media. But it's the best decision I've ever made, joined them, I'm part of the collective, um, the smartest group of guys I've met. Um, it led me to, to you as well. Um, I think we have in Montreal some of, some of the best hosts, period. Some of the best content creators on the mic. Like, you're great. I mean, I'm a big fan of yours. I'm happy I found it. I love the title behind the suit. And you're great because what adds to your genius and what people like about me as well is the ease of it. It, it people like um, Puffy has this line. He goes, it's easy to be good. It's hard to be great. Mm. And, 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 and I see that in you, like you're aspiring to be great because you could have just done regular shit and still be good. But I see you're trying to reach on, go outside the box and try to get these other interviews. You could just interview people that do things that you're more interested in, but you still try to go outside the box. And that showed me, okay, he's trying to be great. 
I fuck with those kind of people. It's easy to be good. A lot of people are good at shit. Well, it's like, especially, okay, like, I mean, honestly, interviewing is one of the most selfish actions I've ever taken in my life. I'm going to be real with you. No, I hate it. I hate it. Well, like, so, like, here's what it is, though. I was like, I watched this shit. I watched this shit, right? And then I realized I could just have these conversations, right? (laughs) And then all of us, but then I realized I can say shit right now. Like, I've talked to, like, 150 creative professionals. Bro, that's like a flex in corporate land. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and like, I don't rephrase it like that. That's dope. And then like, yo, your catalog though. Yo, the wide <laughs> variety of people you talk to. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, but yo, that- I, No, no, no. I just want to say, sorry to cut you. I just want to say, even at that, I have the same moments you have. I'm looking at shit sometimes when my publicist, shout out to Lorena. I'm like, I should be talking to these fucking people. I've talked to so much fucking people, but that's what I'm about. I'm about, I, I collect stories. That's it. And then you start, to, because like, it's like reading books and shit. Yeah. It's like my my perspective gets enhanced, but this is like reading a book, but I can ask questions and I'm super okay being wrong. That's not a problem for me. That's yeah. that Socrates shit, right? And then like, <laughs> it's facts. Yo, shout out, shout out, Ismail. Yo, Weezy's energy is amazing. Like, I'm saying <laughs> ultimate radio host. That, that's fact. Yo, yo, I'm trying to listen. I, you know, I tell, you know, I was telling, this, I was telling Doc the other day, I said, you know, we always talk about having our own station and, and some of the problems that it's somebody else wants to be a chief. And that's one of the issues we have in Montreal. Everybody's, so much people are so concerned with just the title. A post is just, Leo, let's just do the fucking thing. Let's, let's just build the thing and let's just have it. And let's say we have it. But, if we ever did a station, yo, it won't be a station if someone like you is not on the station with us. Because to me, hearing you and I'm thinking about Doc and I'm thinking about Skinny with Chop Vision and I'm thinking about myself, I'm like, yo, this is a real fucking, this is <laughs> this is Revolt Media. This is iHeartRadio yeah. without the cor- without the corporate selloutness. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to make it sustainable without a little corporate selloutness. No, like, no. Yeah. No, no. We need like- Listen. Listen. <laughs> As a, little, long- a little bit, but but I don't like to compromise the quality of the product. Like I'm all down to go wild out on marketing and promotion if yeah. it's within the realms of what I believe is cool. But I like I don't pay for ads because I'm not selling shit and, no. and things like that. Like, mm-hmm. but like for me, it's mm-hmm. mad important that like like I don't desire to be advertiser friendly. I guess that's where it is for me. Like I'm not trying yeah. to be ad friendly. I want to be able to yeah. make the content that I want to make in the format that I think makes the most sense without yeah. having to worry about other people doing shit. So I'm super on the crowdfunding side of it. And that to me is important. And okay. then like, I've never chased a sponsor because sponsors come with like rules. I'm sure yeah. you know that way better yeah. than I do. Like, I don't yes. know that I could be smoking pot in every fucking episode <laughs> if I have sponsors. From the jump, you know, when I, thank you, Baze. Shout, shout, shout out to Tracy, Bonita the goddess. You know, if I don't shadow, I, I don't know how much people's watching, so I'm just talking the whole day. But, but um, speaking about the sponsor things, when I started, I asked myself this. When I started broadcasting, I asked myself this. What kind of host do I want to be? And I've been consistent. So even the sponsors know I'm fucking wild. I'm unpredictable. You know, I'll get fiery, and it is what it is. And you kind of have to state what you're about and what you're trying to achieve with them. I totally agree with you. With the crowdfunding, I've always been kind of shy. I've always been kind of kind of nervous, kind of anxious, a little bit of anxiety because I'm like, yo, look, I, I'm that guy that hates to throw a party because I believe nobody will come, uh, even though people are going to come. Facts. A lot of people will come I, to your party. 
<laughs> same thing, same way I feel about the crowdfunding. All but I can now say I'm is, hmm? do you know Meyer Clarity? I don't know if no. you've ever heard of him. He's a rapper that was from Montreal, moved out to Toronto. He He's one of the only people that ever listened to me and opened a Patreon right after talking to me. He got $88 <laughs> in pledges on day one. I don't have, I never got that in my life, all right? Like, I've never done that well on Patreon. No, no I'm going to try but like I've seen everything you do, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna try. But like <laughs> even try. on like the half-assed efforts, you know, somebody recently put up twenty-five dollars a month, and I was like, bro, it doesn't. It's not like real money, but the fact that there's a human being out there that says whatever the fuck I'm doing is worth twenty-five dollars a month. Yeah, bro, that's more than people pay for Netflix. <laughs> like, but no, but this guy's dope. Two no, and it built the second time after the after first time you're like the second bill I was like oh say word that is the it's still coming in you getting the residuals yeah um I've always been scared to kind of like test those kind of waters and, and it also played out too my hesitancy I didn't think nobody was gonna like my shit when I began you know when I hooked up with my man KT the b when we started so let's, podcasting. let's run that back how did you actually get into your first oh. endeavor, <laughs> endeavor okay so I got into this so you know as I said I was just Rapping in Rodney's basement, rapping with JD. They rapped. I did the intros. I'll do. I'll give. Holden, I got six to eight bars. I'll give you a verse. I have at least one verse. Do I'm it. nice with words. I got at least one verse, and you know my, you know my delivery is fire. And then uh, one day I was doing an intro uh, for my boy Heavy, and he was by this guy he's been talking to me about for a while from the states. This guy KT the B boy. So I go and then you know we're just chewing the shit after I'm talking about Dominican Republic because you know we always go to Dominican Republic in our twenties. The next day, my man Heavy hits me up. He's like, yo, yo, KT's from Miami. He built this whole radio thing. He's a super producer. He does a lot of arts and stuff. He has this radio thing, but he has no host. And at that time, I was kind of blasé. I've dealt with a lot of hood niggas doing this shit. So I was kind of like, ah, oh, I don't want to fuck with dudes. But I, I met up with him. And I and the one thing I told him at the cafe, I met up with him at the cafe on San I think I said, if we're going to do this, we have to call it I Must Be An Issue. The next day, he called me back. He's like, yo, I'm going to abbreviate it. I'm going to call it NBI radio, but it's going to stand for I must be an issue. And then we started doing it. I was nervous as shit because at that point, I was used to being in the studio with niggas I know. This is a guy I just met a week ago. So you're in the studio, you know, and he's just there and he's like, yeah, talk. And it's like, and then these are the early years of understanding how to build a segment. How, okay. What's my theme of this episode? And those are the early years sitting down with Katie trying to build that. When I first started doing radio, um, podcasting, when we did NBI Radio, which was a mixed show that we did for about three, four years, where he played the most newest music, period. Like if Jay-Z dropped a song, if Jay-Z dropped a song, KT was in a circle of producers. He had it within the first three hours. We was breaking shit all the time. We got sued by, by Bad Boy, by Puffy and them. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I can say it now. Fuck it. We got sued by Puffy and Def Jam on you. That you know, and, what? And, and, and and this is about this is about ten years ago. We got Puffy and Def Jam both sued us. Companies in in the UK tried to buy our show. Um, it, it wasn't enough money. Oh, well, I, and this is when you say tried to sue, as in they didn't successfully sue. Or? No, no, they no no they they sued. We had to pay them. <laughs> so how, okay let's say that happens right because you know people talk a lot of shit about that sample shit right like yeah i'm gonna they I'm don't gonna, play with samples yo, bro. shut up lamef for the raid so let's say you put out because i just put out some shit with some samples to test the waters and spotify mm-hmm. honestly i don't really give that much of a shit they're all low-key it shouldn't be a huge issue type thing but how much is it <laughs> like like I if you can I, say I, a ballpark I, I, listen, I, listen i hope my man don't kill me i, I think it's, it's been 10 years i think def jam was like 
3,500 at the time. So about 10 years ago. And I think Puffy and Bad Boy, they wanted 5K. I think we must have played something that shouldn't have been played. Like we must have played something way too early. So, but this was our mix show. So I spoke eight times throughout the mix show for one minute. And then, you know, we, you know, it expanded to a little bit more as I got more comfortable. But when I originally started writing the shows, I used to write a whole sheet of paper to talk for one minute. And then he, he, he taught me that you have to learn to say more with less. You have to understand to kind of get your ideas in there. This is radio. You got to try to understand, like, you're trying to get a lot of shit in there, be a little bit more tactful with it. Because KT is a, not only is a super producer, but he did the comparison of Hot 97, but in Miami. He had a show on that. So when you say that, you're basically saying apply concepts like brevity and, like, be a little more concise with it. Yeah. Don't yeah. be as rambly as... You know, yeah, you might want to be yeah. in the podcast format where it's like, yeah, ramble away. It's all good. Nobody cares. Yeah, this was yeah, this is way before podcasts blew out. Like this is like years before that start. And my whole mentality at that point was like, okay, well, let's try and let's try and see what happened. When we started doing that, Obama was a couple weeks before Obama was going into office inauguration because our first episode was called the inauguration, and our second episode was called the crusade. So that's when we start. So that's how far back that is. So he had two terms and 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 we had Trump. So it's about it's over 10 years ago. But um, yeah, he taught me like and then you have to start talking to yourself. I'm just talking to myself. So I start creating characters, even though you guys you guys listen to the audio. So I created a, uh, a studio engineer called Jose just just to make it more interesting. And I'd be like, yo, so so the show would start. And I'd be like, yo, Jose, yo, bring the Henny. You, turn the lights low. You, OK, turn me up. OK, we good here. He never existed, but people thought he was a real person. So, so, <laughs> just, 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 I've always liked pageantry. I've, you know, you know, I've always liked to create shit. I thought Which it was makes dope. a lot of sense because you was the big time playman in the church days. No, the black camps. You know, it's. I, I mean, I, I grew up like in Christmas, just... right? Like, so I grew up in the white version, <laughs> and uh, I had no idea that there were black camps till today. I mean, I went to EBS. I'm all around this area my whole life <laughs> up until I'm like 16. No idea. Anyway. Yeah, Marcus Garvey Day Camp. Marcus Garvey Day Camp. So, so we started doing that, started creating these characters. And I was like, okay, well, now people are, people are liking the show in the States, in Canada, in the UK, in France. They, I think they played me one time in New Zealand. And I was like, yo, I'm just a dude from, and once again, I'm, in my head, I'm just like, I'm just a dude from Code Edge. Okay, so people really like this. Then every year, I just start taking it more and more serious. And then you start to take yourself a little bit more seriously, too. So, okay, I can really do this. But hosting and hosting radio shows and podcasts is a very, it's a very, very interesting process. A lot of people think, oh, it's easy. A lot of guys come to me. Oh, it's easy. You're just talking. I'm like, oratory. <laughs> That's what I'm like, you're just talking. I said, Holden, you're a great example of this. Oratory discourse is one of the most criticized forms of anything because people are just listening to it. They could play you back all the time. When you play a sports game, whatever, it happened, it happened, whatever. But when you say something, people could play it back. They could play it back. They could analyze it. Hold on. Holden's tone is a little bit aggressive here. I think he's a little bit more passionate about this, this point of view. When people could play back and, and point out and then create these reels, you know, you know, that's one of my nightmares. Someone's going to create these reels of all the fucking snafus and bloopers oh I have. Dude, I used to review. <laughs> Which is fine because we're human, right? Bro, but I used to review hip hop albums, 
right? Now you gotta imagine it. As much as it might be kind of progressive today, in 2017, when I'm talking about gangster rap in the hood, bro, it's as white as you can picture. And it's just as bad as you can think it is. And that's still on the channel because you know, I don't believe in taking shit down. It's about showing your growth and evolution. But if somebody really wanted to do that, I'm going to look like the whitest motherfucker you ever done seen talking yeah. about rap. <clears throat> yeah, but, but you have space and time and then you have who you are now in this moment. Yeah, of course. Like, it, it actually works in your favor that you were so horrible or you said some wild shit. Because look at you now, be like, oh, fuck, it's not even the same person. That 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 shows your growth. I bet you the same thing would be said about you and hold true. Oh, to for sure. Because like for sure, <laughs> well, we started, you know, um, so from the mix show, um, we did a splinter show called the Gray Zone. <laughs> now all all everything on the shows, I must be an issue. Um, you know, when I came up with Unicorn Killer, uh, Mister Confidential, um, Weezy Moonchase, when I came up with all these things, these are these are all just derivatives of my womanizing lifestyle at the time because i because at the time of the, you're, you're hosting shows and doing podcasts you're getting more popular you're getting better looking and you're getting and you're wearing better clothes so all these things are happening to me at the same time mm. um, we creative i never yeah. really thought about it but i guess i mean obviously your name's not actually wheezy moon chaser but like <laughs> how did you come up with these different names what are the different characters like i know you like pageantry but like yeah, I mean, yeah. in my case, the identity just ended up being I'm going to triple the fuck down on myself out of Max, like to the point <laughs> where it's my government name and shit. Where like, yeah. <clears throat> how do you get to the point of all the, what are the different characters at this time, if you can remember them all? Yeah, yeah. So, um, so <laughs> Wager again, first day of school, Wager, come off the bus, the OGs from my camp um, call me Turtle. So ever since then, there's still people to this day, they don't know my real name is Ian Thomas. So they call me Turtle. And then by grade eight, I was like, okay, you know what? Instead of trying to like change people's views, let me take what they're calling me and let me let me own it. Let me make it even more lit. So I start calling myself Turtle Man. So grade eight, grade nine, that's the character. I'm Turtle Man. And I've always liked creating these alter egos just because I like, I think Ian Thomas, like all these parts of me is still me. But I think Ian Thomas is like the quiet dude that just wants to chill by the lake and write books. Because when I'm done doing this, and I'm going to be done at some point. You're never going to hear me talk again. I'm going to be by my lake house just writing books, and that'll be it. And, you know, maybe direct one, two movies, one doc, and call that a day. But but that's kind of my mentality when, when I'm when I'm kind of moving through it. Right? So you kind of get here, and you're just like, fuck. How do we do this? <laughs> I don't fucking do this. But, um, yeah, man. Yeah, so was it quite was the question again? You got me high. I, I lost track. Oh, the characters. Yeah. So I did Turtle Man. And then I was like, okay, well, I'm the type of person I get annoyed with shit. Like, if I'm saying it for like a year, I'm like, okay, we need to have a certain evolution with it. So I'm like, okay, my middle name is Wilfred. So I said, okay, I'm gonna call myself Turtle Man Wheezy. And I always test it out on my white friends because I understood this about watching shows like Survivor. You need to have something that has a little mass appeal. If they like anything, your name, because your name is what's going to ring. And when I started doing Turtle Man Wheezy, everybody was like, yeah, yeah. White people was like, yeah, we like this. And then you know, my black friends were like, yo, Turtle Man Wheezy, like little Wayne. Everybody's like, yeah, boom. That worked. We got to college and now. I'm, just, I'm like, okay. I've been in the cocoon now. What's my butterfly version? I'm like, because I'm looking at mixtapes. I'm looking at, okay, there's always a new, 
Lil Wayne's ours coming with a new installment, and that's kind of how it's kind of built it. Kind of like how they do mix it, how they have different installments. Lil Wayne had dedication, then he had the drought. You know what I mean? So then I said, you know what? Let me call myself. And then I'm born in July, so apparently you're a moon child. So I said, let me call myself Wheezy Moon Chaser. I was like, okay, maybe that might be too wild. Might be too wild. And I'm thinking to myself holding, okay, when I become a celebrity, what, you know, Puffy, Wheezy Moon Chaser, does it sound, you know, are, are we sounding good together? I said, okay, you know what? I like it. Let's work with it. And it, and it's so with people. So I became Wheezy Moon Chaser, and that became my main stage name, my main podcast name. And then at the height of my womanizing, I was like, you know, I want to create a darker character. And like this, the one that really says some real fucked up wild shit. And I brought him to the gray zone. Um, I came up with Unicorn Killer. <laughs> Two years later, there's unicorns everywhere. Puffy's doing unicorns. Walmart's selling unicorns. I have everything I'm telling you, I have on record. It's saved on hard drives. I have it on my Mac. And I can show you, I said it here, and I can show you two years later, everybody else was on it. Everybody started putting unicorns and everything. When I came up with Unicorn Killer, <laughs> it just it just rings different. It just rings different. I, I think maybe last year, um, last year I did a show and I said, um, um, I broke the window. I'm going to put my cape back on. I said, for one night only, I'm going to bring back the Unicorn Killer. You know what I mean? That was the height of womanizing. That was the height of like, yo, I'm feeling great. I got fly shit. I have a little bit of notoriety off this podcast, make show shit. And I got the hardest fucking name. I'm Wheezy, unicorn killer. I must be an issue. Who the fuck is this guy? And then right before he started doing the radio, I'm talking with my man, RG. Shout out to RG Music. I was like, I'm the fucking biggest Kobe guy. Like, I love Kobe's vibe. And I was like... Yo, I'm the Montreal Kobe Bryant. They know that I'm nice. They hate that it's me. Rick was like, that was it. Shout out to my man, Joe Black. Joe Black has been the way. Yo, it's been a lot of Joe Black sessions when I come up with all these names. And, you know, the Black Dr. Phil. You know, when I ever do a lot of episodes with women and we're doing a lot of advice and we're sharing and we're opening up, I do my Black Dr. Phil. I got um I I got a park ranger wheezy when I get on my outdoor shit, <laughs> so that's pretty much how I come up. I think it's more fun that way, just the pageantry of it. You're like a one man variety show, <laughs> and I like. But I'm having fun by myself. Nah, I hear that though, cause like, there's this is definitely an isolated experience for as social as it may be. You ultimately yeah. spend a lot of time sitting in a room with a very live or it might be with the same people over and over and over <laughs> again and that's it that's the experience right and it's dope <clears throat> i love it but yeah. like it's yeah. definitely like you gotta kind of come up with ways to like grow it and make yeah. it more yeah. interesting because for you and it's like if you don't feel it nobody else gonna feel it yeah and no, like, you're definitely right. that shit resonates like i know that like certain types of content got to get deaded if i don't have the passion for it because like <laughs> it's not gonna work like I, i'm not yeah. gonna do what i'm supposed to do and it's gonna show over time even if you mm. can fake it here and there one two times yeah but um mm. so like no you no you said it man if you don't believe it you can't sell it like i've dead mad shit i said like, no this wasn't the one and people have gone mad with me and not talked to me after i've dead i've deaded whole projects because I like to pride myself when you put your name on something, you know, when you, when you put out anything, whether you're feeling it or not, 
Like you have to go all in. You like this is your name. You have to go all in. So I've had to dead some projects for whatever reason. And you know, a lot of people don't like those decisions. But you have, you know, you have to, you have to be fucking selfish with yourself. You can't let people ride on you. You can't let people take advantage of you. And that was one of my biggest thing coming into this entertainment business. I know, I know in life you gotta take some shit sometimes, you know, to you know, to move the fucking kick the tire along, to move the fuck along. I get that. I understand you have to kind of create your own line where people understand, yo, this is disrespectful and I'm expecting this side of the line. But also too, like, you can't compromise shit. You can't give nobody shit. If, if you understand, and that's why I love Kanye so much, whether people, some people don't like his antics, something like this. I find specific things within people that I like and I, and I ride with that. I love that Kanye's about imagination. Mm. I love that Kanye's about creativity. I love mostly about that Kanye is 1,001% convinced that he is following his path. And I feel everybody should be as passionate about whatever they're doing. And that's what I'm about. Honestly. Simple as that. I can say flat out that Kanye West has been one of the biggest inspirations to me. Uh, It it took me a while to actually come around to his music to see his brilliance. It was more him that I took inspiration from. I saw this interview he did in 2012. 12 or 13 where the basic premise was i'm more than a rapper go fuck yourself i don't just yeah. put myself in that one box I've seen that. and then yeah, he'd be beca- that. that was back when he was kind of dabbling and becoming a fashion and everybody's making yeah. fun of him now he's worth billions of dollars for believing yeah. in himself and i don't know he's definitely like out there but like you know, it's ironic to me how the same people calling for mental health issues will be the first people to put that man on a crucible and crucify him or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Exactly. But like, yeah, no, no, but, no, for sure. They don't know what to fucking do with Kanye. They don't know what to fucking do with Kanye because you've downed him. You've dissed him. He's played the underdog. He wasn't even supposed to be a fucking rapper. The fact that he's won Grammys is like, oh, fuck. He wasn't supposed to be a fucking rapper. He was the guy making beats. Do you know how much guys that I've seen in studios, amazing beat maker guys, that wanted to rap, I've never made it? Everybody has studio stories like that with guys like that. Kanye really did it. Then he said, you know what, Holden? That's not enough. I'm going to create one of the best shoes ever with Nike. And then, you know what? I felt the Nike made enough creative thing. I'm going to leave that. You know how much dudes would have took that Nike situation that Kanye had and was like, you know what? I'm good with this. You know what I mean? Is that space between him not feeling okay with just like, you know, I'm I'm good with this. He had, yo, Kanye's shoe with Nike is one of the best selling shoes Nike made aside from the Jordans. He was Gucci. He said, you know what? I want more control. I feel I want to have more me in the project. Most people won't have done that shift. You know what kind of fucking balls? And then, and then they say he's crazy. Nah, man, he's fucking driven. I fuck with that energy. He's yeah. fucking driven. And... And I try to have that. Kobe has it. Kobe calls it Mamba mentality. And I try to have that about myself. And I tell myself, if, when I no longer feel that about hosting, about doing shows, about having these kind of interactions with people, then I'll let it go. But at least I know now, just like Kobe, I left it all on the floor. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to try to leave it all out there. That's why my intros are like that. Because I'm, I'm thinking to myself, this is my last time. Every time I do the morning detour on CKT, I'm like, this is the show they cancel me on. Say a word, eh? Yeah, yeah, every show, every I guess show. Yeah, get yeah, canceled. I never thought about it like that because yeah, never for sure they'll cancel me. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm a young guy. I'm black. I'm, you know, you know, <clears throat> I told a lot on a lot of issues, but we've never, besides CJD, we've never really had a morning show 
that's going to, you know, sit down and, you know, let's break down the fucking news in the country and locally. And and let's do some hip hop shit and let's highlight some motherfuckers around the world doing whatever. And let's talk to some politicians and let's play some of the best hip hop, rap and R&B in two hours. <laughs> like, 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 who are you? you know what I mean, like, what do you think you're doing? And I call out Virgin Radio. I call out CJD. I call out the mix just for fun. Like competition is good. This idea that, and that's a Montreal thing where all the people that are kind of good at the same thing and it, that are good at the same thing. And if you're coming up and you're trying to do what they're doing, like, no, 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 no. I can't open the door for you. I can't show you too much tricks. I want to fucking compete, man. I love the fuck. I love mm. the fact that you're fucking good like me. Yeah, I if swear. Not better, if, I saw if, if not better in some areas. I love that. Yeah. Because I, I that that tells me, oh, shit, I got room. We ha- There's people I can have fun with. I'd say, I mean, honestly, with. I can't wait for the fucking cult Montreal this next year. <laughs> I'm fucking going at Geektastic 7. I'm like, let's say a word. You're 6, I'm 10, right? Yeah. I don't yeah, like 10. I'm, I'm, I'm going, I'm going a, after all you. 10 is But, but it's fun. <laughs> this reminds me. I want everybody to go watch. Um, I have it on my crave. The Steven Spielberg movie. I'm, I'm still in the beginning part. And there's a part that shows that him, David De Palma, um, George Lucas... Uh, Martin Scorsese and like three other guys have done really great mo- like blockbuster movies that have ch- impacted our lives. They all came into the game at the same time. They've all been good friends. They've all criticized each other's movies, helped each other out with each other's movies. Like Spielberg was, tells a story about when George Lucas first showed them Star Wars. And half of them were like, what the fuck was this? And Spielberg was the one that was like, yo, this is going to be fucking hard. And, 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 and I'm like, yo, yo. These guys is me, skinny, Doc, Holden, you know what I mean? Kim Ruler, like this, like this is us in, in the early goings. These guys are all friends. These guys all came into the game together. We can compete with each other and still be good yeah. fellows with I, each yeah, other as honestly, well. Honestly, it should be kind of like, I feel like it extends to everything. I mean, if you think about it, even in big corporations, I, I will never yeah. forget learning that what was it? Future Shop and Best Buy are owned by the same people. Yeah. And at the time, yeah, I'm going to Abbott. So you go by Fairview. And at Fairview, you got a fucking Best Buy. And across the street is a Future Shop. And they're owned by the same people. Why? Yeah, imagine that. Because it's good for business for both stores. What? Yeah. So it's like... <clears throat> um, this drives the numbers, yeah. Yeah. And like, I was listening to your, your 2018 show you did with fucking uh, 514 Smoke and this next one. And, like, you guys were talking about the idea of promoters working together. And Don Smooth was there. And he was talking about the idea of promoters working together. Yeah. And it's something I think a lot about. Just And it's not just promoters. I think it's you can pretty much extend it to most things. Except for beat makers. Beat makers seem to be real friendly with everyone. They all like each other. They're (laughs) a tight-knit circle. Everyone else, we all got to work a little bit better on being a little more tight-knit. But, um... It made me really think about that, the fact that, like, on a, on any day of the week, there's so much shit happening that, like, it's super hard to organize or the cohesiveness or, like, yeah. like even within our radio show, I'm not going to lie, I don't have a lot of regard for when other people are going live. I know that I'm yeah. not competing with 7 a.m., but, like, it's the same <laughs> way it is in a lot of sense. Like, I think a lot of us compete at the same times, and none of us have really yeah. talked about this. 
Yeah. We all probably salty at each other a little bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, Everyone's like, especially, especially when you have a, you know, you've been doing a short time slot and then, you know, another, another com- competitor does it. Oh shit. He'll take the same slot. Like, he know I'm in here, but we have to better organize ourselves, especially though. Like, all I give a fuck is about our, us broadcasters. Everybody else, you know, the party promote, they're going to do what the fuck they want to do. The DJ going to do what the fuck they want to do. All I care about is for the podcasters and broadcasters. What the fuck are we saying? You know I mean, especially the English side. Like, for me, yeah. English media is more like jam right now. Like, yeah. we, have, we have to, like, because, yo, English media has the power to break the rest of the world to give a fuck about language issues here. Yeah. Like, the wildest thing to me is, like, because I talk to a lot of people not from here, right? And I try to bring up language issues when I can. And and it ties in as because I'm an English rapper, so language issues comes up a lot more on that side. When like, yo, but don't you guys have French rappers? I'm like, yeah, but like grants this that conversations go in the way that they go. But then it's like for me, it's really important just that like people are aware of what's actually going on here. I'm like, yo, say where my moms might not be able to get like medical care in English in Montreal. Like you should be aware that a doctor don't yeah. have to speak English to you. That's a fact. Yeah. And everyone's yeah. like, what? These up. people hate tourism. I'm like. I don't know how yeah, to answer more, that question. <laughs> yeah, they're more, you know, it's fear. It's fear. You know, you keep, you know, I keep doing these reports. Um, doing the morning show, I had to become more newsworthy because, and and this is one of the reasons I like I like your shit because I see that you study. Like, I see that you, you you research. And that tells me you take pride in the information that you're delivering to the public. Yeah. And so do I. So what I try to do, I'm like, okay, well, next time I'm with CKT, it's like, yo, you're going to have to do the news. You're gonna have to do new shit. You're gonna have to do one. There has to be a segment show that's news. And I was like, yeah, I'm a hip hop guy. I'm used to doing hip hop news. I want to talk about Jay Z and Kanye and what what fucked up shit Future did. And they're like, no, you gotta do local and international news for at least ten minutes. At first, begrudgingly, I was like, whatever. At first, I just did the ten minutes, and then eventually, I I embodied and I started doing the twenty minutes of it. And I was like, oh fuck, you really gotta research before you like what what you know when your man's is like, yo, we get our news from UB, and you're like, oh shit, okay. Okay, I gotta, I gotta make sure one, you know what you're talking about. Two, you have a critique that makes sense. Not not that it has to be likable, but it has to be making fucking sense. And three, you gotta have a deeper thought to it. There has to be a follow up. That like, okay, this is happening. Okay, so where we're going with it. So I talk about language issues a lot, and I think it's hilarious because until I'm proven wrong, I'm pretty sure we're the only place in the world where this is like a really big thing. Like, mm. we're, it's a big deal in Ukraine. Very similar, okay. but like, but it, yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty it's fucking like super, rare. Yeah, yeah, it's a stupid fucking problem to have. I keep reading these reports on the show. Um, Francophone saying that they feel their culture is being threatened, and I don't understand how this makes sense because the, apparently to French people, like the Quebecois French, is like a dirty French compared to like Parisian French. Yeah, that's and, a real thing. And, yeah, and Paris doesn't has never said or felt threatened by anybody. French is never going to go anywhere. It's one of those cool languages. It's not going to go nowhere. But for some reason, uh, Quebecers or, yeah, Quebecers feel like they're going to be overrun by us visible minorities and our language. And, like, how do you guys want this to work? You know, English English is the language of business. I love spot. I speak fluent French. I can read, write. I watch French TV a lot. I love it. I think we could coexist without all of this extra shit. Hold like, on. I got to clarify. In for- we got a comment from Zavana. He said, did he call Quebecois French dirty? No. He said, France people call Quebecois French dirty, which I would co-sign as facts being a I, customer service host, agent that talked yeah. to France people. And I had my shitty accent, but they're like, 
Je yeah. veux parler avec quelqu'un qui... <laughs> It's... Yeah. No. No, you can Google it. It's a common thing. Um, my co-host for about two or three years, it was a girl from France. Kay was on my show. And I've spoken to people in France. My people, my friends have gone to France and they told me. I've had Parisian friends, people tell me. There's this attitude that they think that Quebec, Quebecois French is like a dirtier version of France. They don't like it in France. Yo, but it's based, it's the same exact shit as British English, English to like with, American English. Like it's not even different than that. And even UK. I mean, um, yeah, even it. England. Yeah. Same shit. So it's like, it's the same shit. But I love, uh, I can speak fluent French. I love it. But I think we could coexist without all of this melee. But there's this fear that the Francophone language is going to disappear. in Yo, a Because if you smoke. look at it from like, because now I got more invested in politics. Because like. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting mm -hmm. actually. Once mm -hmm. you get past the surface, it gets interesting. Yeah. But yeah. yo, if you look at the way the writings is set up, right? Like most of the power lies in the rural regions yeah. upon which there's not a lot of English. So I feel, and I can't prove, that the general three parties that don't like Anglophones that much leverage this fear mongering tactic because they yeah. know it will be an effective thing to get the rural regions to vote for them because they can vilify the city even more because yeah. it's yeah. the hub of english now it's a theory but look at the election map and look at how the rural regions vote one way and montreal's kind of split but vote a different way and then yeah. it's like kind of wild to me and it, like it's the same thing with weed laws right like the laws make sense if you're in the country it don't make no sense in montreal so it's like yeah. a lot of shit like that plays out and you're like okay so this is really just like quebec politics it's really just no, to get we, into power and we, shit <clears throat> yeah we have a joke on the morning detail we say like quebec quebec is like the petty the petty cousin of canada like quebec is just petty quebec like everything quebec does, does is just petty yeah it, there's It, it's all emotional. It's all cultural. It's all subjective. You know what I mean? It's like, there's no substantial to it. Like, where's the evidence that shows that the Francophone language is in danger? Besides you feeling that way. So it's emotional. There was some argument 20 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. I don't fucking know. That was 30 years mm -hmm. ago. It's not today. <laughs> yeah, this is not 1995 with a referendum and all of that. Nah, it's a different you know reality. Mean? You know what I mean? So... And, and and it sucks because Montreal is like a major touristic, you know, attraction. People want to come here. We have a great nightlife. We have Montreal is just a different feel. You know, what I mean, it, it's 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 unique. It's, and like it is debatably one of the funner cities to visit. Like, in my yeah. opinion, the music scene should focus more on the touristic qualities of Montreal a little mm -hmm. bit and incorporate mm -hmm. that. Like you could just do a music video where you did a montage of statues in your neighborhood and if 20 of us tried to make that music video we probably would double up only a little bit that's how many fucking statues is in like just think about that yo people yeah. come here and be like yo there's statues everywhere b and you're like say <laughs> what i never thought about that and so yeah we like, don't notice it because yeah we've always lived here right but montreal's beautiful yo <clears throat> when i hear my american friends talk about how much they love the city and love the women love the culture I'm like you know, you kind of step back and like, oh, shit, my city's pretty dope. But like you said, we are divided. You know, it. you can see all the Anglophones are on one side of the island. All the French are on the other side of the island. Like, it's a weird thing. Yo, but then it gets even further. So I started learning about local politics recently. And then there's <laughs> the Montreal 19 suburbs. And then there's the other suburbs that aren't Montreal. <laughs> and that's all meshed into it. So it gets like this weird situation where like, 
The city is literally divided while also like figuratively being divided. And it's like, you don't really think about it because I feel like you go to like the seven places you go, but you never really (laughs) like, like when was the last time you actually saw Riviere des Prairies? Uh, today. For real? I would. Yeah, I I do uh I do deliveries in uh in the deep uh, Saint Jean area on the weekends. Where? I can tell yeah, you. Yeah, so I go everywhere. I haven't been I go there everywhere. twenty years. Because why am I going there? It's so like. Yes, yeah, it's it's, it's 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 out of your way. There's nothing there. Yo, sometimes I be in like these little towns, like like everything going towards the border, right? Like when you get into the South Shore, and some days I'm working in these towns, and I'll go a whole day without seeing a black person. And it'll just be like, yo, this is Quebec. This is Quebec. Really? I was on the street. Yeah, I was on the street last year. And, um, you know, I keep doing these reports on the morning show. You know, Quebec's not racist. Quebec's not this. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Maybe, you know, a few bad apples. Okay, fine. I delivered on the street in um, Chattagee. And the whole street ended up calling me nigger. The whole street. Like, grown adults. Like, 11 of them. Stopped in front of my van. All that shit. That shit happened last year. And I'm laughing at them. I'm like, it's at that time it was 2020. I'm like, it's 2020. And you're still like hating a division because of color. There's no empirical proof that shit that you're better because you're white. Like, yeah, yeah. Grown adults in front of their kids and everything. I've definitely had a few <laughs> questionable experiences. Like I'll be like just on that, like a couple of years back. Um, I don't know. I get charged up on social issues, you know, because I feel like you can't really get into hip hop and not getting charged. Like it just they come hand in hand, right? Like yeah, you just yeah. learn you too be much. About something. If you just, you're about something. But you just you learn too much. Just too much fuck shit once you get into the history. Yeah. And then I remember vividly this guy looking me dead in the eye. At the time he's a forty five year old Quebecois dude. Dead ass in the eye. Why the fuck do you care about them? They're not your people. And I was like Whoa. Like, that's like one of those okay. moments where you're like, yeah. I don't think he has any idea what he just said to me or the impl- Like, he yeah, doesn't know, right? In yeah. his mind, like, the, and then you realize that's some, because, like, I don't know the French side of Quebec like that, right? I, let's say the English side kind of has a bit more empathy for the minority situation, is all I'm yeah. saying. And, uh, nah, man, I don't know. I don't know. It's just that's wild. wild. It's wild. No, th- I, I, I flat out saw, okay, because like I worked in before like the times of work from home. I'm in Ville Saint Laurent, right? By the Guzzo. Yeah. And I yeah. there's a subway there. And it's 2019, maybe like they know, and I'm there. And I watch a French woman yell at a tourist, We're in Quebec. You speak fucking French here. I'm like, This is like, I should have filmed this shit. It would have gone viral. Yo, that's that's their favorite line. Someone has to explain that to me. We all live in this world. We're gonna go to each other's shit and say what's up. We're gonna go to shit. Oh, oh, you guys got nice shit. We got nice shit too. Like, where the fuck does that fucking attitude come from? I've had I've had non-francophones say that to me, and I was like, Yo, y'all really drank the Kool Aid, huh? Even though I'm perfectly fluent in French, I will still talk to you in English just because I feel like it. Like, we you you know one thing when you live in Montreal or Quebec, you need to talk French or talk English. You know what I mean? I could talk French. You should be able to talk a little English, at least a little conversational enough, so you can move it along. Enough, enough to, like, get by. Yeah. And, yo, yeah. some of the best moments you have are drunk <laughs> at two in the moment, speaking broken opposite languages at each other, trying to flex. <laughs> like, you know, there's a beauty in this shit. <laughs> the franglais. 
but I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that older demographics vote. And the one thing I've learned talking to local politicians is I don't think anybody believes that anybody under the age of 40 gives a shit. So all the focus is on trying to get this older demographic. And I see that statistically speaking, if I'm going to generalize a bit, there's a lot more to racism on that age group. So you can see how a certain attitude and narrative gets crafted from the top down in order to solidify the voter base. And so I think Mm -hmm. there's this like deeper political side to the culture that like they'll they'll never admit it, but I think it's worth pointing out so that other people can like look for that type of shit. Cause I don't think people really look at how this type of fuckery links to the voting map. Cause these guys is going to probably do really well in their next election. They delivered on their campaign promises to their core demographics. Nobody talks about the core demographics. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, some of y'all shit don't matter. You guys don't even go vote. But like the the, the last municipal election, I was, I was talking to a politician the other day. I think 30% voted. Yeah, it was something like that. Like it was 30%. Fucking, That's fucking crazy. Nobody cares. Nobody cares. And then, and then now we're a month away from it. And everybody that's under, like, everybody in our age group that I, I've talked to, they're like, I don't have no idea what anybody's about. Oh, None, man. And, and, so, and, and, so that's where, and, like, I have to say, like, maybe it's our job to fix it. So I threw my yeah. head into that. I'm trying to get, I know Balarama half agreed to, like, do an interview, but. No, he's cool. I've done him before. He's cool. It's going to be November is the Montreal election and September is the federal one. I don't know yeah. fuck all about the federal one yet. That one is like, fuck me. I have to go figure that shit out now. Um, and I got like two yeah. weeks. But I said, fuck, yeah. I'm focusing <laughs> on the municipal one. I'm going to go figure out this federal one on some, <laughs> read some shit. At least the federal one gets English <laughs> coverage, right? Like, you oh. know, for a fact, you're going to be able to in an afternoon figure out what the fuck these people is yeah. by reading yeah. some articles, looking at some shit, whatever, exactly. whatever. And whereas in, in, in Montreal, it's like not at the municipal level, yo. I don't know anything about anyone, really. I'm like, there's yeah. a couple of things, but I don't know. So I figured I'm going to focus on NDG mostly because I give a fuck about <laughs> NDG mostly. Like, I mean, the rest of it is like cool. But yeah. if like other people took that... You know, these politicians is mad thirsty. If you do a podcast right now, pretty much any of them are going to talk to you. Yeah. Like it's, it's, I'm like, oh, really? Yeah. They're down. Dude, I'm going to set up a debate in NDG. I don't know the logistics <laughs> yet, but Sue Montgomery, the mayor of NDG, who's, who's got the situations as if you're watching the news, cause I was just yeah. shooting the shit with her. She's like, I'm down. If you set it up, we'll do it. <laughs> uh, you know, like you said, no, the, the morning no, detour I, no, can set I, up a debate. That's where we're no, at. Listen, no, listen, man. I, I haven't reached out yet, but I, um, you know, I spoke to some people and I got contacts of Valerie Pond. I would love to sit down with Valerie Pond for ten minutes just for just for jokes. Oh my god, I would me, love it. Me, yo, me and Valerie Pond. I'll give Valerie Pond a blessed intro too. She gonna have. She'll be using that shit on the campaign trail. But no, um, yeah, I'd love to do it just to do it because I, you know, like I was saying, it's you know, we could have just done what we're good at and then let that be that. But we're trying to be great, so you know, let's try to do things a little bit outside of our comfort zone. That something that matters to our to fucking it should matter to everybody, right? These are the people that are no, making decisions, right? Even like, wasn't it like Puff Daddy and them vote or die? I remember that mm-hmm. shit. Yeah, that shit like yeah. stuck with me. Like, yo, it's I'm in high yeah. school, and everybody's giving a fuck about the election. 
you know and that's yeah. something that we didn't see a lot I, with music since yeah and i'm trying to get you know i love to see that kind of energy focused on the young voters but i guess what you know like you point out we're not the main focus right now well you know, that's where but that's the thing we're not the main focus because everyone's kind of archaic in their thinking. Like, you must be pretty familiar with the newspaper industry's demise, yeah. given what yeah. you do, right? Yeah. So let's say that kind of thinking translates into every institution that is predominantly ran by old people, such yeah. as the political institutions. Like, yo, I found out only one of the council people in my writing is my age, and he just retired because of some whatever, whatevers. So that means everybody's <laughs> over, like, 50 and this was like a guy older than me, this Peter McQueen dude. And he's like, how the fuck do you get young people into politics? And then I'm like, yo, back in the day, rappers rapped about this shit. Back in the day, like people like people want to yeah. never bring that up. But like go all the classic guys, everybody throws in like, yo, yeah, Dolores, yeah, yeah, Dolores Tucker, use a motherfucker. Who the fuck was Dolores Tucker? <laughs> I had to like Google that shit. Google to that understand. shit yeah. And that line was censored. So you had to like yeah. dig to figure that shit out, you know? <laughs> So it's like, I look at that part and I'm going, wait a second. I never rapped about this shit when I started rapping. So now it's become like more important to me. And I'm like, fair enough. I was just as guilty as everyone else. But at least yeah, for move, sure. moving forward, it's like, if we don't make it like a point of interest to care about this election, then yeah. why is anybody else? If the people yeah. see you as a point in news and you say it's cool, then use an influencer, my guy. No, I hate that fucking word, man. It's either you do it or you don't do it. But yeah, um, yo, definitely following suit with you. I've dedicated the whole month of October. I'm going to try to educate and sit down with as much different people from different writings. Just to give people an idea of whoever's willing to sit down with me, what the fuck they're about. I'm going to dedicate the whole month of October. And I, you know, I announced that a couple of weeks ago on the morning detour. Uh, and even for me, I want to fucking learn, too. Um, I've been I've been talking to um, a lot of political people over the last year or so. So I've, I've learned a whole fucking lot. You know what I mean? So I was like, oh, fuck. Okay, okay, that's how this works? Okay, only so much housing money's going into affordable housing? You know, the, the man, the way we treat our homeless is fucking out of control. Like, every borough has different issues. Like, there's a lot. But, you know, I guess in every city, that's the problem, right? So... Actually, we're, we're one of the only cities I found this out. Because, yo, Sue Montgomery, let's say, is a wild gun. She's an ex-journalist that was all about investigating. So she she is, like, no holds barred a bit. We're the only city that has a party system. And apparently, this is what creates the fuckery. Because, <laughs> um, so check it. There's six writings. Key. Like, the way it works, there's, like, writings for the city yeah. and then the mayor for each borough. Like, city councilors and then the, the mayor. Yo, there's a lot of motherfuckers, man. There's a lot of... There's, but there's let's say that, like, you're in Valerie Plant's party. No, and you told mm -hmm. lying. If you're in uh, the other... I don't know the party names. The other parties, you're, you told... Yeah. That's how it works out. And then you have independents. And then you have the random ones within the borough. So now I got six motherfuckers representing me that are going to have infighting upon party lines before they can even unify, before they can then get to the city, which has a council that then has a second council that includes all the people yeah. that aren't in Montreal. And then there's a budget and then yeah. that gets split up. However, it gets split up. Yeah. yeah Nobody yeah. has answers to questions. And so they can't. 
apparently every other city is not structured with parties so at least they can kind of unify a little better and do real politics with the real wheelie dealios. <laughs> and actually do something. Whereas and actually do something, right? It got so bureaucratically convoluted in Montreal that, like, <laughs> it literally takes fucking forever. But shout out uh, fucking Christian Arsenault and them for putting the basketball court in Coffee Park because that's blessed. Like, sometimes they do some <laughs> shit. <laughs> yeah, I love you, Sean. But see, that's, that's some G shit. That's some real G shit to say, man. No, you're definitely right. No, the whole fucking situation, like I've been really fascinated by it. Um, a friend of mine, she's running, she's running this year too. So I was like, you know, I'm like, how do you like an experience? She's like, yeah, it's dope, it's cool. And I'm like, I'm like, yo, listen, I'll support you. You're young, you're black, you're trying into politics. We need more of this. How can we get more young people involved? How can we, how can we make politics cool? How, how can we make people in our age group think, think to themselves like, yo, we should care about this. You know what I mean? We should care about these are people making decisions. Like we should care about this. Like, or at least know what the fuck the person that's actually our mayor or our party, whatever the fuck case is, what they're about, like what their agenda is. Like, at least know what the fuck they're doing. And yo, like just so that people might think this isn't gonna impact me, I'm gonna just speak to the fellow artist community I have. Y'all know that Cordaire fucked up the local scene a lot more than we fucked up the local scene. If you don't know that, go look at the changes that happened with the heavy push to yeah. tourism. Cordaire decided instead of investing in local art, he's going to bring in celebrities. He basically yeah. played the game of celebrity advertisers, like when Pepsi works with Britney Spears. That's yeah, how exactly. Cordaire chose to approach it rather than doing a lot to invest in the city, which meant that everybody's competing with Montreal every day of the week. Yo, bro, like the entire summer is festival after festival after festival after festival. <laughs> Yo, how many fucking people from here are on the list? Like 12 of them are token people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the decision-making in that whole game is just it's fucked up. It's fucked up. Yeah. That's what, like the Rockefeller model, man. Like, I I just hope and pray, man. Yo, you just kind of just open the door, you shoot in the dark, and you hope for the fucking best. Because if you try to, like, wrap your head around it and try to get a sense of it and try to, like, be strategic about it, it's bullshit, man. This whole fucking game is fucking, it's fake. That's why I just enjoy what I do and just keep it moving. The politics of it, is the reason why a lot of people get out of it. You know, no pun intended. I'm just talking about this, the game in general. It's entertainment and dealing. And politics do affect, like, you know, I just said you being a musician, the whole festival scene, again, again the, um, the local town up there. Everything kind of fucking vibes off each other. However, apparently, again, there is some ownership we can take. As yeah. in, no, did you know sure. that if we can make petitions, <laughs> literally <laughs> petitions, and get people to sign saying some shit like, yo, I want to see NDG rappers on a festival. At least we can force the city to have to look at it. And like, okay, I don't think so people have ever tried this shit. It's almost like as much as a lot of us complain, none of us have ever tried to play the system. No, because I think a lot of people, I think a lot of people, <clears throat> some people do know about it. They just don't feel it's going to be effective. Okay, they're going to they're gonna see the petition. They still don't have an extra push to even follow through on it. It's still upon their discretion. Mm. You know what I mean? And 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 as you kind of dissect it, like who really has the power? Like like you're talking about an idea or a legislation getting pushed up from your neighborhood all the way up the chain, right? Look how look how like you said, look how convoluted that is. So who really has the power? That's why you scale it. There's a discretionary fund. So as long as you make <laughs> it not expensive enough to start, you can mm -hmm. probably pull it off real local. Go like mm -hmm. my theory is if we just pretend like we have to start from zero and yeah. s and think a little smaller scale. 
we can kind of build a little bit of a buzz where the people make it happen yo you show up with a petition with five thousand signatures motherfuckers in the city are going to react you yeah. show up with 500 yeah. Yeah. signatures. Yeah. Hold this, gonna... like, what happened to that event? No, I'll tell you why I tell everybody that, you know, that throws shit at me, that, um, you know, tells me about stuff. I'm down with whatever. Yo, call me. Let me know what I need to sign. I'm down with whatever. I'm willing to try whatever. I hear you. <laughs> to be honest, whatever, I'm just brainstorming here. Because, yeah. like, at the end of just the day. Just call me. Call me when you're ready. All right, fair enough. But let's go back to your life because that's how this show works. It's like a tangent for a while, and then it's like, okay, let's go back to your life. Make sure we get that part done. Yo, so basically, you do the radio shit. You're, you're like connected with that. You're running that yeah. for a while. You're creating your characters. The unicorn killer comes to life, and then we tangent it off. Uh, tangent off. Yeah, so then I came back and I did a series called The Gray Zone. Um, I did it with a wonderful host, uh, this lady called Fat Cat. Um, highly raw very x-rated like um we went to toronto when toronto had the all-star game i think it was 2014 and we did a brunch and then we did it and then we invited our friends we rented out a, a two uh two floor condo and we invited our friends we had a brunch and then we did two episodes i think it lasted about three and a half four hours to get people to stick around to listen to you talk 2014 to listen to you talk well you did a live podcast yeah, in Toronto. We filmed. I still, I still got pictures and shit. I, we did a brunch in the evening, and then we did a podcast after. We had about 25, 30 people at a condo in Toronto overlooking the city. All-Star Weekend, 2014. And then we went partying after. We went to Luxie. Hold on. How did, <laughs> how did that work? Was it Because, yo, I mean, theoretically, that's the future of this media, and to me, is, is that, but, like, in bigger yeah. stadiums. Did it work? Was it, like, a good event? Yeah, I'm a good event. People came through. I'm like, I, I was shocked that people stayed and listened to people talk about yeah we put the table we had the brunch and then we put the table in the middle we had it all set up we had the camera crews and then um yeah we did the two shows we uh, i think we did one about sucking dick and eating uh sucking dick and eating ass it's a good oh, episode you're topic. Oh, you look good um that's interesting so yeah we talked about sucking dick and eating ass for an hour and a half and then we, <laughs> this girl said uh she was she was hungry so um, I, I think she's like, yeah, so I just swallowed all this cum because I was hungry and I wanted a Big Mac and I couldn't get what I wanted. So I swallowed all this cum. And I remember the whole room because, like, you know, she's kind of like, you know, she's my homegirl, though, but she kind of she kind of out there sometimes. And, and I remember the whole room hearing that and was just kind of just I was like, yo, this is why you fucking do live podcasts. These, so it's th- wild. This is the vibe. This is the energy you're looking for. Bro, you got my brain going in directions I wasn't <laughs> thinking were live. I'm like, yo, as much as I wonder if I, I don't know if I could sell a rap concert. I wonder if we could sell some shit out, you know, like. Just oh, for to- sure. You could do it. Yeah, for, yeah, for sure you can do it. Yeah, so you have people sit all around you and it's a whole different energy because now you're in the moment. Now you're in the moment. And sometimes my brain moves so fast. So I, I, I get these blocks sometimes. So it's like, yo, where was I going with that? Because my mind is always just like, yo, because this is what I really love. This is why I'm at home. But I also understand once I've given this everything, once I've gone what I need to get out of it, I'm at the lake house, B. I'm at the lake house. I don't know, man. I feel like if I was at the lake house, like, I'd still want to do this shit. Like, I just, like, maybe in my 60s. No, I'll do it for fun. But, like, you know, I won't still go work, beat the trail. I'll still do it for fun. I'll I'll always have a mic and a studio. I love this shit. This shit's lovely. But, like, I don't know. I've never gotten this as, like... I don't really get paid paid to do this. I still got the job, right? So like for yeah, me, for sure. it's all Likewise. like 
the passion project of this and i'm like yeah. all i can say is this is as this is like you learn so much from this shit i yeah. i don't know that i could give up this source of learning like you know that's yeah. the hard part where it's like yo I could go do some other shit, but bro, like every one of these conversations is fucking jacked. I walk out, my brain's flying. <laughs> I get to experience a bunch of different things. But yeah, yeah, we could we collect stories. We collect stories, and it's a very privileged position to have where you're collecting all these stories, and you're someone that people entrust. You know, I mean, people have to think, get comfortable with you to open up and share certain parts of it themselves. Because ultimately, as a host, that's what you're trying to get, right? You're trying to get some good gems that people can relate to that's still saucy, that's still fiery. People got to feel fucking comfortable with you. People got to be like, yo, he's a good bedside manner. And that's a gift that not all hosts have. Everybody <laughs> hey, doesn't have that. That's fair. I mean, I could say I had to learn that shit. You go watch some of my 2017 shit, you'd be like, no, for sure. trash. But even then, my early, <laughs> yo, for real, my early interviews was garbage. I remember for a fact, uh, Pre-Chan Kobe hits me up mm-hmm. and he's like, bro, let me tell you one thing. You're dealing with rappers. Maybe you don't know this, but when you're dealing with rappers, you kind of got to be a little bit of take over the fucking conversation to own it. Otherwise, the rappers are not going to respect you. And I'm like, fair enough. And I'm like, all right. And then I walked in all different. It took a couple months to get the swagger on board. And then I was like, oh, say <laughs> word. This is my shit. Fuck out of here with your opinion. I mean, I want your opinion, but like, oh, you, you think I could be a yeah. dick? That's cool. You're here, though. And then, then you got to think about how are you going to be on other people's shows, which is a wild thought. Like, that's a whole different yeah, vibe. Yeah. I'm a terrible no, guest. Not. I talk way too much. <laughs> Yo, well, first of all, I, I never got invited on people's shit. And the few times that I did, you know, you, you kind of sense sometimes someone's like, oh, fuck. He feels like you're stealing his his light. But, like, this is just my natural energy. Like, I'm just lit like this. And then um, there's other times where you kind of think to yourself, like, okay, Oh fuck! Now I'm I'm gonna be interviewed. Like, what is my vibe? Now you kind of feel like, okay, so is this how people feel when they're about to sit down with me? Is this the kind of ram- like you know brain thought that they they kind of go through? But it's weird to be on the other side of it when you really do it on the other side. Yeah. It's like, oh fuck, I gotta answer the questions. Okay, this is different. Nah, I like do a lot of research though. So like, <clears throat> I'm gonna walk in and have a, an angle of attack, and like, yeah. I, I figured like I'm gonna just be I want to be memorable, like. Yeah. You might find me an arrogant asshole, a little bit <laughs> cutting off people and dominating the conversation anytime I'm a guest on somebody's show. But, like, that's also part of the game a little bit. How did you yeah. let me do that? <clears throat> it's, <laughs> like, it's like being at a cipher. In a cipher, the man, you have to, like, cut in or you're not going to be yeah. allowed to rap, right? So, like, with that, it's like I, I take that mentality. Oh, say a word. You're yeah. going to let me talk? Okay, I'm going to steal yeah. that the whole time. And then, but make sure I say shit. Like, I, I did the Hustle podcast, but I knew that I was going to, I spent, like, three, four weeks planning what the fuck I would say before I walked in. <laughs> I had it plotted in my head. The questions were irrelevant. <laughs> it was just, I knew what I was coming to say. I was like, oh, say a word. This is going down. <laughs> And you felt comfortable because, like, you know, I prepared for three weeks. I know what I'm going to, you know, what I want to say. Yeah. When I'm coming in. No, I never know. I'm I'm excited to know what the interviewer is going to ask me. I, I never know. I mm. never know. I never people know don't invite me enough on day shit. I basically don't plan it. I'm like, fuck yeah. that. There's too just much effort. It. I'm like, I can make this up. I can just freestyle the whole thing. I tried it on the first one and it worked and I never stopped trying that. <laughs> uh, but, um. 
For real though. So you're you do your great zone show. You talk about the wild shit. You prove the concept of live podcasting before anybody yeah. famous is proving this concept, which makes you yeah. a fucking innovator. Mm-hmm. How, no, okay, I'm sure no, somebody. How did you get the idea? No, I'm sure some. I've I've always liked um, Jay Z when he does like a Rock Nation brunch and stuff like that. I've always thought that was dope mm. to get like a whole bunch of like fly influential. Brothers and sisters, you know, hip hop, urban heads in the same room together. Let's toast up. Let's celebrate our culture. Let's celebrate just good black business. And it's like, yo, and let's have a dope conversation. Like, you know, I kind of mixed taste masters with a live show and blended it together. I just wanted to do a brunch. I'm like, yo, one day I was there, like, yo, how come we can't have a brunch? And I remember someone in my crew was like, yo, that's true. And I was like, yo, let's do it. Let's have a brunch. Like, who? <laughs> when I brought it to the man, then I'm like, yo, I'm going to have a brunch. All star weekend. We'll do it in Toronto. Motherfuckers are like, what the fuck are you talking about? But we did it and it was fly. Yeah, that's I have what pictures I meant. we that's have. That's like innovative as fuck. That's cool. Nah, but- that's hella cool. <laughs> like, I don't care what anyone says. That's like, people is not doing a thing and you are the guy that does yeah. this thing yeah. that at least here, people, if I, let's say I pulled that shit now, people are going to be like, oh, like Wizzy did. Mm, no, no, they'll, they'll be like, oh, like drink champs. But. Mm. Yo, man. I don't know about that, man, because Drink Champs came late, right? Like, yeah, 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 it came way after. But yeah, when I was doing it, I wasn't even thinking about that. I was just like, okay, I was more worried about, oh, fuck, now we're doing this live. It's, 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 it's not like before where, you know, it's just me and whoever's on the show. We film it, we record it, and I put it out. Now there's people around. So there's other mm. elements going on, going on in the environment. People that are listening to what you're saying. So, you know, you know, my co-host fat ass, she was so fiery. It's a real argument. Like, like we're two fucking shinobi warriors. It's a real argument. She's fucking throwing shots at my ego, fucking me up. And there's a whole bunch, you know, I'm trying to talk to this girl after the fucking podcast. Fat cat here talk batted me up, talking about all kinds of wild shit. Now you, yo, it's a whole like your ego's on 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 display. It's a real war, and you're in a room, your man's them is there, you're out of town, it's being filmed. And she'll be like, okay, boom. It's just conversation. What's always helped me and what, what's worked for me, I just focus on who I'm talking to. Everything else doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, it's still going to be about this being number one. Yeah, I feel So that. I just focus on who I'm talking to. So that that that's that's how I get over whatever anxiety, whatever thing. Like every summer, you know, you know, prior to COVID, which is like a whole different life for many of us, um, I used to do this thing in the summer. I've done it, I think, two or three times. It's called Crew Love. The first crew love we did at my man's house in the West Island, big pool party. We pool party it up. We eat some food off the grill. And then I do a podcast about friendships. And yeah, man, it just gets wild. So we do that. People listen and we party after. So I did that one in the backyard. I did one by Shondell at DG Kicks. We had the barbecue. Geek Tastic was there. Everybody was in there. And I remember looking like, yo, we had the whole fucking crowd of people in one of the stores. And I remember looking to the crowds like, yo, there's a lot of motherfucking people, a lot of the fucking girls in the first row. And I'm like, I got to host this shit? Yo, man, I said, okay, let me just focus on the motherfuckers that's on the couch. And that's what I do. But every so often you kind of look, you know, you kind of look off into the crowd and you kind of see that one person that doesn't seem interested and you kind of, like you're having a side conversation in your mind, like how come I'm not gripping that person? Oh my gosh, I know. Okay, so that one is wild. When, <laughs> when you, okay, Lascalier used to have Big Bang Montreal, right? Yeah. And it was cool. They hit me up, let me showcase my first time there, and it's 50 minutes. But then I went back after because it's a lit experience. So I went a bunch mm-hmm. of times. 
I can tell you that when that place does not give up, like they just don't give a fuck about you. So mm-hmm. you have to do your whole track while they're doing their side conversations, motherfucker. And then, then sometimes it's cool, but there's still gonna be half of them that are like, and I like a place like that. It's not really like a show show. You're just the entertainment for a bar. Oh my gosh, you gotta learn how to get over that shit and whatnot. It's it's a vibe, but then you do at a certain point. I find like you, yeah, or or maybe you don't. I don't know. I, I no, you, yeah, but you know you kind of get used to. It. I think my worst experience on stage where, um, I think two years ago I hosted a comedy show, and people didn't get their meals by the time I started, and the light stayed on. And I remember going through, you know, you know, I had like semi prepared some shit. I'm just introducing the next act. Just, you know, a, you know, a little filler shit, a little thing. I didn't think nothing of it. Um, yeah, I go up there and I tell a story and, and you know, I totally bombed that night. But even the comedians wasn't getting love because, you know, the people didn't get food. The lights was on, all that shit. But even aside from that, I knew somewhere I'm like, yo, this really wasn't for me. You know what I mean? But from working with KT, KT, one thing that KT uh, taught me was like, even when you mess up, just keep going. He's like, no matter what you do, just keep going. Facts. As if it never happened. So I think one or two times, I think uh, my my old co-host was there. Kay was there, and she was telling me, uh, um, I said the same thing twice, like back to back. Maybe maybe in my anxiety and my in my nervousness, right? And then it happened again, and I just like I just work right through it, even though I'm looking at a room of people that didn't get their meals. The lights are still on. That's when I do it. Um, a week later, my um, one of my good friends, Leah, she hits me up. She's like, "Yo, I'm hosting this event at PA Cool Hall." Over a thousand people are expected to be there. Yo, do you want to co-host it with me? Yo, Leah's like my more popular friend, my more established friend, knows more cele- celebrities. The fact that she's even looking my way, like, okay, oh, you'll put me on, man. I got to pull up. So, yo, man, I shake it off. I go up there, a thousand, it was a thousand, two hundred people. Killed it. We have pictures, we have videos. Killed it. That's wild, Stills. Killed it. Because because my vibe, you know, maybe I'm a little bit more darker with it. The way I look at things is like, if I can't do something within this realm of broadcast and host, however people want to characterize it, if I can't do something within this, then it's not for me. If I'm afraid to go on stage sometimes and hold shows and stuff like that, then I shouldn't be doing this. Because it, 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 it's part of it. Maybe that's a little bit more cynical coming from my end, but that's just how my mind works. If I can't do something, then I shouldn't do this. So I'm going to push myself and try to do it because I love doing this but i should be able to go on stage and do that too so i was happy i was able to bounce back and do that but hosting comedy shows that's not me nah f- fair enough hosting is an experience um mm-hmm. honestly yeah. i used to drink a lot when i performed i remember making mm-hmm. the conscious choice to stop drinking before mm-hmm. and that was hard that was like it was a couple of shows before i got comfortable with yeah. it at one point i tried to dead ass sober and then i said fuck it i like weed way too much but like <clears throat> in general no like it's tough, but like, I feel like once you get the vibe of it, though, it's like this addiction. It's like this dopamine hit. Like, I don't know. I got the yeah. opportunity to perform in front of Cosmos on the middle of Sherbrooke Street in NDG. Just like spit some shit because they rented some shit. And then we came through and did our thing. It was lit. I was so like the rush of real life humans paying attention to you, stopping <laughs> grandmas with the approving head nods. That's my favorite part, bro. I was like rapping <laughs> at grandmas and grandmas was like, say a word. And I'm like, I wasn't expecting you to like this. I'm glad you do. This is promising yeah. for the future of hip hop. <clears throat> 
No, um, that comparable feeling for me is when um, is when I have a whole uh, a guest on, and one of one of my signatures is that when you're a guest on my show, when I'm about to introduce you for the first time, I always give you a big intro. So I'll either break down your accolades, but I'll give you I'll you know this is you know this is Willy Wonka's chocolate shop. This is Alice in Wonderland. I'm gonna push it there for you a little bit. But yo, this is this is this is how I greet people to my show. So I, you know, so I welcome you to your seat. I always do these great intros, and that's similar, similar to how you get that dopamine hit. It's when you do these great intros, and like sometimes you're it's a politician or a, a celebrity, and they tell you, "Yo, fuck, no one's ever introduced me like that." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah let me, yo, let me get, yo, let me get that sample after the interview. Let me get that sample after the interview, and it was just an intro. I mean, these people hang out with Oprah and shit. Like, um, I had uh, Trey Anthony on my show, major playwright, works for Oprah, all this shit, has shows on, on CBC. And I gave it this big intro, you know, about jerk chicken and all kind of shit. Because people will always know when you're really about something, when you're really passionate about something, when you're really serious about something, that's something you can't fake. I've been in this over 15, 16 years. I can't fake that. People know. I'm really into this. Like, I really like this. It's, it's not even about talking shit. I'm like, I, yeah, I, man, I got one of the hardest voices in the country, bro. I burn niggas up. <laughs> I burn niggas up. This, that shit. You're lucky I don't rap. Me and you would have been on a feature. Fuck around like Drake in Future. We do the best of both worlds. Yeah. Easy. We can just make that happen. <laughs> I need more 16s, man. You just and gotta, I can't get ghost with I'm from the, I'm from nah, the old school. Like, I gotta write my shit. You also just gotta not overthink it. It doesn't yeah. ha is Wheezy Moonchaser trying to be the greatest rapper in Montreal? No, 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 no. Or is no, he no, just no. trying to do a verse? You know? Just, I'm just trying to do a verse. But I'm really hard on myself. Yeah, I mean I you know, I hold myself to a to a really strict stringent vibe. I'm really hard on myself. I just made a song about not liking pickle chips. That's where I'm at <laughs> with shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah man that's what it comes down to man i have a question though so you come back in you're doing your show and then how did what's a hood to hood mixtape series because i know you said something like that earlier and i yeah, don't even so, know what that is yeah, so so at the tail end of us um back in the day being in the rodney's basement doing things i was like i, I started selling clothes with some guys out of new york so this time we're in college and i'm selling clothes with these guys and you're making some extra money on the side fire shit and I had this idea, I'm like, I, I tell Rodney, and this is before streaming. This is like a few years before streaming started. So we're still doing mixtapes, hand-to-hand shit. So I say, yo, let's do a mixtape. And let us let me use, the, let me create a company with my dudes that I'm hustling to get in the States. And let's use the mixtape as a marketing tool for that company. And let me add an extra caveat to it. I say, okay, let me get every hot dude from around the city in our age group that we think is dope on the tape too, and let's collab on shit, especially East and West side. And let's do that. At first, everybody thought I was crazy. I, at the time I was 19, so people was like, yo, what the fuck are you talking about? But I eventually put it together. I had the first Hood to Hood mixtape had about 27 artists, 12 different producers from all over the city. Some guys have gone to win Junos, all kind of shit. But yeah, in their early beginnings, I had this, you know, they had a guy like me, came, I went to the East. I've sat down in rooms with all bloods and got their best guy in my age group. I sat in rooms, got the Crips, got their best guy. And we did the track at Big Bang Studios in Park X. I remember going to that session with Brick. Everybody brought their shooters. And 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 I was like, okay, this is what I got into this for. This is hip hop. The fact that I was able to 
make money with these guys in the States, have this marketing idea by making this a hood mixtape. But now I'm in the studio, and you have Crips and Bloods in here, the best guys in my age group, and they're about to cut a track together that nobody has heard yet. This is all original shit. I was doing the Khaled shit at 19. With I, no musical background, I have my brother and my cousin are popular DJs, but I, I wasn't there spinning tables. I just loved hip hop. I was like, okay, well, I love hip hop. My man raps. I'm selling clothes to guys in New York. Let me do a mixtape, promote the business, and let me get all my niggas on the tape together. So I got it tatted on my arm because it was a dope experience. And off of that, off relationships created starting back when I was 19. I work with the same producer, Blackstar. Joe Black still produces for me. Um, friends with pretty much everybody on the tapes. Uh, as I said, producers have gone on to it awards. It's been a great thing. And it was just an idea. And I'm no, not, like, and I wasn't a music producer. Honestly, well, a music <laughs> producer is an interesting concept because I'd argue you were a producer. If you think about what a producer is. Yeah, some people is. have told me that. <laughs> but what, what, what I'm saying is that I had to get the guy to do the Pro Tools. No, like, I, but what I mean I, I is, know the, yeah. that's not what a that's an engineer. And this yeah. is a big misconception people have. You got to be. So I got to talk to one of the engineers that worked at Daddy's house. That's Bad Boy Studio back in the day. Yeah. So he broke down all kinds of roles and shit. Now, <laughs> a producer... <clears throat> fundamentally is a decision maker now yeah. what ended up happening is a lot of rappers <coughs> allow their sound engineers to ultimately make the production choices yeah. so we got the nomenclature mad confused but like i'm an executive producer on my albums because i told the engineer what's up and then he said yeah. whatever but i was my decisions for the most part yeah. i would argue he's a co-executive producer because a lot of shit that was his decisions was yeah. cool but like, nah, it wasn't about engineering. You, if you can be like, yo, make it go. Yeah. You're a fucking executive producer. Because yeah, I was you definitely told doing that. So the man's what's up. And it's yeah. almost like the program director or the manager of yeah. the project, the person who's, who who collects the resources, who puts the pieces together. That, that's yeah, what that's what DJ that. Khaled does, right? Yeah, like like the that. fucking Travis Scott line, like D, DJ Khaled, whatever, who put this shit yeah. together. I'm the glue. It's like that's the kind of vibe that it is, right? 19. That's a producer. 19 I was doing it. 19 I was doing that. Not, with, without no background, anything. I just knew how to connect dots. But that shit's these guys so important. Be... But I wasn't even looking at it that, at that point. It wasn't until I got a little older. I was like, okay, this is an actual fucking skill. And then I went to McGill and I got my project management certification. I'm like, Say a word. Like, Man has yeah, a project got... management certification. I yeah, fuck sure with that so heavy. <laughs> yeah. Yo, I, I got it just for fun. No, but I actually do use it. I work for my brother-in-law as well. But... Yeah, I did that at 19. I wasn't even thinking what the fuck I was doing. I was just like, yo, my man Rodney raps, big brick raps. A couple of my niggas are dope. I'm friends with everybody in all the boroughs. I think I could pull this off. And I remember it took me about 31 days working 19 hour days to put this shit together because you have to get the different guys from different hoods, schedule the time, get them to go, go by Rodney's house to record. If we can't do it by Rodney, then I got to find a studio, rent that out. 19 years old, by the way, get... I'm picking up guys in my sister-in-law's Tercel. I'm going to P. Nuff. I'm in Semi Shell Seven Nav. You know, you know. What I mean, I did tracks with B. Low, Road G, and Face on the same shit. Like this, is all kind of hood shit. And I'm doing all these things as like, yo. And I, I turned to my man one time. I was like, yo, you want to do another one? The the abuse mentally and physically that you go through when you're trying to accomplish something, it's a whole different fucking vibe. 
Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's like <laughs> doing hood to mixtapes took everything out of me. Also, too, not knowing what the fuck you're producing or doing is. Yeah, you're right. I had engineers definitely more skilled musically. But yeah, I was guiding them. Like, OK, these are the skits. OK, I already cut the skits. OK, we're going to do this track. Like I was piecing that. Yeah, that's a producer producer. <laughs> and that's what I mean. Like, cause yo, I'm talking yeah. to this kid even and his dream is to be a producer. Like like a Dr. Luke fucker or like yeah. you know, people criticize Dr. Dre a lot because he might not have done all the actual work, but he made the decisions, thus he's still the producer. And, and, and that, those is hard. Th- those impact the you know, the end product anyway, right? And plus two, as a producer, I chose all my pieces. Mm. I chose from the beat makers, from the beat, from, like dudes made, most of the guys, most of the, the beat makers made those beats specifically for that mixtape with no money. The only money I got was um, a couple of my friends collectively put money together to press the, to press the mixtape. But nobody, nobody tried, people just did it because I was able to sell the project better than everybody else. Do these tapes you know still I mean? exist? Do you have like- Yeah, a- yeah. Yeah, I, I can show you. I would love to. I also, I, I also acted <clears throat> on the skits on the mixtape. We wrote a script to the skits on the mixtape. That's amazing. <laughs> and, then, man. And, then, and, and then me and my friends, we acted it out, and then we put it on the mixtape. And so, if this is you in nineteen, <laughs> that would yeah, make that this what two thousand five ish, two thousand six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have the mixtapes. I can show it to you. I don't know. Where I put them down, but I can show it to you. I got them shits, man. That's amazing. At some point, I want to hear this. I realize there's a lot of music that doesn't exist on the internet in this city that used to exist on discs. <laughs> I don't know why everybody doesn't upload the shit to YouTube. Like, you know? No, like, I'm going to send you. I must have uploaded shit to YouTube. I'm going to send it to you. I got it, man. I did Hood to Hood, and then I did uh, Summer in My City. Yeah. I don't know why the fuck I did those projects. Like, they were fucking grueling. They were fucking hard, man. You're dealing with different personalities. Man, different producers, different regions of the city, the level of politics, and oh, it was fucking nightmare. And then I put it, I put myself through it twice. Why? Greatness. <laughs> Just love the hip. Greatness. Yo, I don't think anything I've tried to do honestly hasn't been hard. Yeah. Uh, everything is, like, his heart, look, like when you think about differentiation, right? At the end of the day, the only things that are hard to replicate are things that are hard to do. So if you do a bunch of shit that nobody's going to want to do, like, you, I'm mad confident giving away all my marketing game because I know that 99% of people won't put the hours in to do it right. So who the fuck cares? That 1% yeah. will fuck with me. So we're good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like with that, it's like doing shit like that makes your entire legacy just stronger. It put yeah. ties with so many people. There's a reason that so many people speak so highly on your name to this day. It probably has created like a lot of opportunities in your life. You may not even know to the level of impact that opportunities like that created for you. Yo, yo, listen, you're definitely right. Because oftentimes, like I create a lot of shit and I do a lot of stuff and you don't often see the effect of it until I go out and someone hears me talking like, oh, you're the guy from the radio. I'm like, oh, fuck, you listen to me? It's like, yeah, I get my news from you. Like, we don't know. Some of us, we don't know how impacted because like we're so ingratiated like I, I view myself yourself guys like doc and skinny i view us like a young spielberg the palma scorsese lucas like we're all we're all so passionate about what we're creating what we're about 
that we're not worried about if people like it, don't like, we just love creating shit. Mm. We love creating great content. We love forcing these discussions, having impactful discussions. We're so passionate about that, that sometimes you don't even hear what's going on. So when you hear it, like, oh fuck, people fuck with me. I be saying some wild shit sometimes. I'm really honest. I'm yeah. really honest. Like being yeah. PC is like I fucking I don't wanna... swear. So the episode I end up picking has <laughs> you and Five Hundred Four Smoke defending R. Kelly mad hard, and I'm sitting there <laughs> watching this shit, going, "Yo, this might not be the best look, but at the same time, it's all of y'all being true to your character, raising yeah. genuine concerns." Yeah. You tie it into bigger shit, but I'm like, what a random <laughs> episode then. <laughs> and then, and then, and and then, so so that happens. I don't know if I did that first. No, I probably did that first. And then I said, you know what? That's not enough, Holden. I said that's not enough. I'm gonna take it to CKT, and I'm gonna do a two-hour special. <laughs> I'm gonna do a two-hour special on CKT, and I've read the blue book. So I know, even though it's community radio, and I do, you know, they do give me, you know, we, you know, I do get some leeway. I don't know what a blue there's still book lines is. like what's a blue book. The blue book is like is like a, it's like basically the radio book of rules. Fair. The radio book of rules that you know you like you know just, you know, the parameters you have to play with when you're on air. But you know, I have wiggle room because nobody complains. I have don't complain now, people. But I got a little bit of wiggle room. So I was like, okay. Can I write a special about R. Kelly that won't offend too many people? And I did it. I did it. That's some fire to play he with. Hell, hell, yeah, because, you know, it's kind of, it takes you back to school, right? Like, I never liked to write the easy paper. That's why I wrote, that's why I ended up doing a fucking thesis paper on social exchange theory when there wasn't enough, like, peer review data on it. But there still was some, but, and it still failed me. So then I come back and I write a paper on prostitution and I, I passed with flying colors and uh, going to university. So that's what that kind of played out. Man, it's been a, it's been a wild ride, man. It's wild. Yeah, but like, okay, so how do you get to this point where you're connected to like everybody and anybody that ever did media here and everybody knows <laughs> who the fuck you are and everyone's like, you don't know Wheezy Moonchaser? What the fuck? <laughs> you don't understand how many times that conversation's happened to me. So like... <clears throat> I don't so, even believe that. I don't even believe I'm not that. Playing, man, the morning detour is like a thing, and I guess maybe I didn't do my due diligence looking into <laughs> what is out there. But I also ignored radio. Like I just didn't. Yeah. I don't really no, look a that. lot at radio, and I guess it just didn't. Con it was only recently that I even considered that like radio is something I should probably look more into, and then just like oh say a word, I'm probably being an idiot, you know. So then it was like oh say a word. And I don't know. I live a couple of blocks away from the shoe store. So it's like pull up anytime. Pull up anytime. Friday sometime I do it live there. And now and, and now I'm feeling a different zest. When I host, when I started doing the show, I didn't know what to expect. You know what I mean? It's different from doing podcasts, different from doing live shows with your friends where so you have How, how does that like transition? So you're doing like radio, radio, whatever. And then like what ends up happening to like in that period of time? Cause I feel like yeah, just yeah, so, okay, yeah, so I was doing podcasts, I, do, I was doing the Grey Zone, and then KT left for the States, wasn't podcasting for a year, and then one of my close friends was like, yo, like, I was kind of like Jordan, like, I still had the bug, like, I, I still felt like I left things on the table. So then uh, my boy RG, his wife, gave me a name, she's like, yo, you should call it Running With Wolves, and I've always wanted to work with RG, so we started playing with some ideas, and it took us about another year 
and I came up with Running With Wolves. I said, I was like, let me try it out. But like, I'm like, this time I'm gonna leave it all out. Like, I don't want to talk about pussy and girls and some of that. Like, I want to be like a um, like a black Howard Stern. I want to be the guy that, no matter who you are, what field of interest you're in, I want to be the person that you you want to sit down with to share your story or to share your your exclusive. I want to be that guy. Mm. I want to be the guy that people have raw, open conversations with. And it's all about you. It's not about like, no, you know, I'm not the counselor guy. I'm not the healer guy. I'm not the, I'm going to be in your face guy. Yo, listen, man, let's just kick it. What's up? You know, like, just like how we're having a meaningful conversation about politics. We weren't, we weren't sharing an agenda. We were just staying this, the, we were staying the, the lay of the land. Yeah. And that's why I aim to do on the morning detour. And that's why I about your shit. You don't, I don't feel like you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this, this. I feel it's more like, okay, well, you guys should know. This is what we're working with. And this might be the best option because this. And I like that. I like tactical shit. I like but um, so yeah, KT leaves. I can't help it. <laughs> so I come back with Running With Wolves. Um, I was, I was messing with some other people before and I had petitioned to get on CKT. After two and a half years, that opportunity opened up. I wasn't expecting to do a morning show. Um, you have to get up hella early to do it. And I didn't know if I could be up. You know, and deliver, and it's a different vibe. Where's CKT sell- again? Like, where do you have to go? It's on McGill. It's on University Street. Right, 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 right. Yeah. So now you're doing a live show. Now you're thinking like, oh shit, hold on, motherfuckers are listening to me live. So once again, you're back to being in the Toronto condo again. It's like, oh shit, people are in their car. People are like, you're in it. Like when you stand up and you press the thing and you light up all the mics and you see the on the on air shit, you're like, fuck. Like, there's a rush. My heart is pumping. I'm sweating. Yo, sometimes sometimes you want to play instrumental. It's not playing. Sometimes somebody mic goes down, and you're live. Your heart's, your, your, your fucking heart's in your throat, and you got to sell it. You got to sell it. Love that shit. I, I, that's why I hated, one of the main things I hate about the pandemic is that I had to host from home, so I had to sit down and produce. Now I'm back outside, live in the, in the public, now I get to stand up and do the fucking crazy intros again. Because that's my shit. Mm. So, like, so you did the podcast that's running with Wolves, which is, mm-hmm. it sounds very similar to the Morning Detour if you were to, like, go back and forth. Like, you don't, you feel like the very same person on the different shows. Except no. tailored to the platform. I, I Definitely on Running With Wolves, you know, I'm a little bit more explicit and a little mm. bit more, you know, you know, morning show, you don't understand, a morning show is, it, uh, in radio is like a marquee slot. A lot of people listen to, you know, to get their morning going. It's a very important conversation, spoken word piece, as they like to call it. Y- you have to be really informative. So I, I like to think the morning detour is the intersection between entertainment, education, and informing okay. people about shit. Like, yeah, you might, you should be aware of this. On Running With Wolves, what Running With Wolves is now, it's a, it's a, it's a raw one-on-one conversation. Or a conversation with people about a hot topic. That's what that's about. Fair. So it's a little bit more vulgar, a little bit more explicit. So just one Morning is- Detour is hype. Morning so- Detour is energy. Morning Detour is hip hop. Like, right. I'm going to show you how much I love Kanye and Future. Okay. I feel that. Um, all right. I, I see the distinction. So you do that live now. So you get the show. You have to go to the studio. And then how do you end up in a shoe store doing it? Or do you do that? Or is it the podcast that you're doing in the shoe store? No, well, no, no. The owner of the shoe store is a good friend of mine. You know, me, me, Shondell, DG kicks. Uh, fuck, he's the, uh, he's the ultimate entrepreneur. So we're good friends. We've traveled a lot around the world together. So we kick it. And yeah, we just try to like, yo, you know, a couple of years ago, I built a crew called the commission. 
It was just like uh, Shonda with the shoe store, my man that's a trainer, just different young guys that were entrepreneurs. And our vibe was like, yo, if you're doing something, we're all going to come support, bring our fan base, push you. If I'm doing something, we all come out, we come out to the show. And that's kind of how we've always worked it. Shonda has a shoe store. I'm doing a show live from a show. So when I'm on the show now, hey, yo, what's up, Montreal? My city's the morning, D. So we're coming to you live from DG Kicks, the leader in urban clothes, sportswear, sneakers. He even has electronics. You're like, yeah, I want to go down there. That's how, that, man, that sounds like a place I want to pull up. It's no, smooth. No, but say word. It's the Lydia's fucking store. Like, you can't help it. Like, you window shop at that motherfucker. You look at it. <laughs> I walked in one time. I picked up a shoe. I saw $400. I walked right the fuck out. But, like, <laughs> that's a fact that actually happened. But, yo, yeah. I'm like, yo, I fucking swear to you. Like, that is so close to my crib. And to think that you're there every Friday. Yeah. Busting yeah. that. Bro, it trips me the fuck out. We just started doing that, though. Like, Fair. this last Friday was, like, our third time. But I've done shows at DG Kicks. <laughs> we do our crew love there as well. Listen, if if we both can benefit off a situation, we do a crew love. People are in the store. We're doing a barbecue in the back. Oh, you've seen some shit? How much things has he sold just us having an event, a barbecue in the back? You sell some shit. I host a show for an hour and a half after. Everybody goes home happy. Everybody's drunk. People hook up. They love it. They come to I had game night right right before pandemic started. I did a game night at Local Legends, RIP Local Legends. Yo, I brought in TVs. I brought in different game systems. My own they shit. I connect. Hard. I just knew I, I just knew niggas that had shit. I had a couple TVs. My brother has a couple shit. We brought TVs, games. I had girls in my crew wear my brand and they were I had different girls manage different games. So when you came and you sat down with your crew games, I had somebody there to explain the game to you, to help you with the game. On top of that, I ordered just adult wild ass games. Just like crazy games for adults, super vulgar, super like push your friendships. I took it there. Then the menu was custom made to my crowd. You know, I had the wings, I had the mac and cheese, had the fries, the poutine, the jerk chicken shit. So it was an event, it was a night. And then I got the, and then I had two DJs RG Music and DJ Maddie, and I hosted this shit. That's how we do fucking game night. And you, and then that, the pandemic happened. You did that, and then the pandemic happened. So, <laughs> you know, it's wild to think that because that sounds wildly fun, and you're doing that right, right over there. And I, yeah. I'm like, I'm like right over here, not even knowing y'all exist. Pull up, pull, no, well, like, well, now, wild though. It's just because that. <laughs> Okay, like you know, a lot of people talk about this alleged Montreal problem. I'm sure you've heard about this thing. Yeah. It's that. It's ignorance. It's the yeah. fact that, like, and it's on me. I didn't really look for it, and because yeah. I didn't look for it, I didn't see what was happening in front of my face. Yeah. And like, yeah. when usually shit's happening far away, right? Like, usually it's not <laughs> happening in this part of NDG. Like, shit, you got to go to like Girard Park and no. Nah. No, nah. I'm like, say a word. Y'all is nah. right the fuck here. Yeah, I was going to do a blocko. You know, we've done barbecues already. We've done live shows. I'm doing a live show and not a live show, but I'm recording a show there on Wednesday. Um, yeah. And, and now we do the morning show there live. So it's different. I'm like, yo, I'm on the block. I have this system in front of me. The whole city's hearing me. I got the best two hours in the city. This is how we kick off the weekend. Let's do what we do. Yo, it's bro, beautiful, it's, man. I love that shit. Wild <laughs> as fuck to me. And I, but I think the most amazing part is how much of like what you do is about elevation. And I'm not yeah. saying that vapidly. I watched some of your shit. You know, I, 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 I'd like to dig a little bit. You know, the, yeah. at least the 
the most half-assed due diligence you're gonna do with the schedule. <laughs> you, give us, you give him a half dick. <laughs> <laughs> enough, like enough to be like, okay, watch the podcast a bit, watch the show a bit, watch the this yeah. a bit, you know, you know like you get, you, get, you get a sense of me a little bit. You get a sense of me a little bit, right? Yeah, because wild to me when people show up to shit and they don't know a damn thing. And like, <laughs> yo, you didn't even Google it. Like, okay, cool, fair enough. But no, a little bit of Google's is good in life, and I'm like, yeah. so with that, it's like. I forgot where the fuck I was going with that. No, no, you're saying you, you're saying the ev- the elevation. The elevation. Yeah, yeah. You're like, so it's like constantly growth, yeah. though, and I love the fact that it's like that black community centric thing, which is also possibly how the algorithms never sent it my way, right? Like, <laughs> no, but you like hip hop, but but no, white people like white people like my shit too. Yeah, but I've learned that like the algorithms don't necessarily think I care about everything. You yeah. know, I like hip hop. <laughs> And I looked at their guests yeah. and I'm like, I've never heard of a single person on your YouTube page for the morning <laughs> detour except for Max Mupese. And him, yeah. it was random as fuck. I just went to the locksmith show. That's how and I, I didn't met even him. upload everybody. And I haven't I haven't even uploaded all the videos. Like so it's I'm like, pumping them up. I'm pumping them out too much, baby. Nah, oh, man. It's actually good. It's good. You want to yeah. stay in people's faces. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to be more. I was, I, was, I was a little bit timid with that, man. You know, I mean, I'm one of those guys, I'm, you know, I get so caught. I'm one of them, like, I'm like Kei Chinata, one of those annoying artist guys. Like, I just want to do the artistry. I just want to be in the lab and just create. But the business part, the marketing part of it is important because this is how we really get paid, right? This is how we get our name out there. And I need to, I feel um, I need to just do a better job at that aspect of the game. I think everybody does. As much as yeah. I talk my shit. I'm so caught up in content creation that I don't really put as much time into it as exactly. I really should. So, so you suffer from the same shit. Bro, it's like, uh, yo, it's even in business books. There's one book I put it like really well. It's what they call the whirlwind. You get so caught up in the regular. Like I remember hitting you up. You're like, nah, I can't go to this thing. I got to produce my show tomorrow, prep it, da, da, da. So you get caught up in it. Now all of a sudden you're 168 hours. If you're a project manager, 100%, you break it down into hours and then yeah. it's filled. So now the problem is, is like, okay, you know, you got to do new shit, but how, right? Like how, how do I like actually, cause you, yo, the problem is, is it's like a lot of this shit isn't stoppable. Like, let's be real. I haven't done this for a year straight yet. I don't know if it's the right time to stop in this game, because if you're thinking the the bigger picture, it's like, yeah, okay, maybe whatever. But, like, you need to really be ingratiated into people's minds before you can start, like, taking off a month. You know, yeah. if anything, you get a week off, and then you got to be right back at it. So yeah, you got to be right really back. Stop. No, no, you can, no, you can insta week, but, yeah, man, you got to stay in people's face. But, but, but what I'll say to you is that one thing that pushed me when I started is, like, I just tell myself, if I don't do this, they're just going to listen to these lame niggas. You know what I mean? Or people, you know what I mean? That I've always, I've said that from day one. I'm on a crusade against basic bitches and lame niggas. I've said that since day one. If I don't do this, you know, I feel I had a little bit of game doing this hosting thing when I started. But I said, if I don't do this, then just these corny niggas are going to be heard because they're the only ones in front of people's faces. There has to be somebody to counteract the fucking corny shit. I think Montreal is dope. I think we're a fly city. And there has to be somebody from the hosting realm dare to represent that i think myself and guys alike i think we do a good job of representing montreal in terms of hosting and podcasting and broadcasting i think we hold that area down very well yeah it's big facts and i think that honestly there's room for more 
Like yeah, oh yeah, for honestly, sure. like if you a good model people should be focusing on right now is the battle rap community and the moves that they make, because they're basically like everybody's local independent hip hop scene, but scattered, and then they figured out a bunch of shit, and right now they're in this place where they have is everything okay? Yeah. Yeah. So then it's places that have like all tiers of media going on, but it's like, yo, it's like there's leagues and then the leagues have journalists and then, the, you know, it's like, it gets like this whole like realm yeah. of like ecosystem yeah. that makes it we that, could do that KOTD gets 50,000 views. We just all have to agree is who the fuck is the URL and the KOTD. That's just the problem yeah. is people don't want to admit that everybody kind of has to agree that something is the something to push. Yeah. I like exactly big or, exactly and it could be like at a neighborhood level like let's all figure out yeah. who the best of the neighborhoods are because i don't even think yeah. anybody can answer that except burgundy i think burgundy <laughs> is super fucking clear <clears throat> <laughs> oh man no i definitely yo, i'll be with what yo whatever way we're trying to go this and just get us forward so we get the look so we can just shoot these shots i'm totally with it yeah I think that's why you're like you know what you know a question nobody can answer how many rappers are in the city? How many rappers are there in the city? Yeah, how many? Nobody can answer that. That's a while. Because, yeah, because cause, cause I might say, I might consider a guy a rapper that you might not consider a rapper. There's also that element of it as okay, well. Okay, let's, let's, let's broaden it. How many local independent artists are in the city? I can't even put a number to it. I don't think there's a person who can. But if we really want to take on the future, right? And yeah. it's a data-centric future. Wouldn't that be a, a starting point? Yo, yeah. the one thing I think that we face is a perspective issue. Like, when I started my shit, I'm a little cockier because I'm not aware that there's a Wheezy Moon Chaser. I'm not aware <laughs> there's a pre-Chancobia. I'm not aware that there's everybody. And then you become more aware of, like, mm -hmm. the different people out there and the legacies. Like, yo, yeah. I'm going to say since I my first performance is nine years in a bit but that's like nothing to some of these guys 16 years your, your yeah. shit you know like then i'm like oh yeah. fuck me I, <laughs> that's not even like it yet in the yeah, yeah but also too but also too you determine what it like i had to learn this too like just like listen to dame dash you have to run this shit like a fucking racehorse at the same time too just because i have 16 plus doesn't devalue your nine plus your nine no, plus true. means shit to you but, for sure it does take a degree of humility to have to yeah. acknowledge that like there's a lot of people out there that maybe know a lot more than me because yeah. that seven years is a lot that's yeah. a whole career's worth of wisdom and experience and shit and especially as you start to elevate the politics side really picks the fuck up yeah. and you're like oh say word i yeah. love everybody now yeah <laughs> yeah, you get humbled, man. Like, yeah, humility is the best part. This is, you know, and it's a good, I think for a host, it's a good trait to have a certain level of humility because you kind of keeps you grounded. It's one of the things that keeps me personally grounded. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't think like I'm outside of myself, like I'm better than everybody and stuff like that. And listen, man, I'm having a great time. Um, I think I'm impacting the people I'm, I'm, I'm aiming to impact and I'm following my passion. I love this shit. And I, and I think I'm pretty good at it. So. I was, I was to stop listening a long time ago. No, I <laughs> think you're pretty good, good man. 
There's Thanks, been, man. There's been at least seven, six, seven people here for the longest time, and oh shit, yo, respect. I, I can't see y'all. He's controlling the joint. Nah, um, but that's pretty good. That's like live concurrent. It's not the same thing <laughs> as views. <clears throat> yeah, man. I've, I've never. Um, it's probably one of my longest interviews I've done. Yeah, that's man. Right, yeah. I mean, to me, I all your shows is long. That shows how good you are. Well, a lot of people can't hang. <laughs> it depends. So, so I don't decide the length, except for the times when I'm too hungry. And then I got to, like, <laughs> clip that shit a little bit. <clears throat> but, like, like Rico Blocks was on the show. Mm. And I'm sometimes you, like, you know in your heart you got to let this one be one of those five-hour guys. And they <laughs> did it. Five hours and five minutes. And then I had one with Olivier Bro. It was five hours. And it's like a few of them broke that. But to me, it's like Don Smooth was three hours. Because Don Smooth... <laughs> This motherfucker was in the in the audience when I said something to the effect that if you break three hours, you're like fucking super interesting or some shit. So he brought it to like three hours and one minute. <laughs> Just, and so, then he, so, so, so where we at now? Two and a half. These guys are the three hour shit. Light work, man. These guys are Nah, but like, I mean, I, I mean, I said the shit, whatever, but like, at the end of the day, I, I, after a while, I'm like, yo, y'all know, it's not my, like, goal to make yeah. every interview, like, <laughs> yo, then all of a sudden, like, it, like, flips into these ones where motherfuckers have no idea what they're getting into. <laughs> and they're like, yo, bro, it's been, like, an hour, what the fuck? And I'm like, bro, you didn't Google me. That's all I'm here. <laughs> bro, I don't prepare people. I tried that shit. I won't say who it was. But Do you get to know when people ask you to be prepared? Like, like to send you questions in advance? I get that sometimes. I, I'm i like, what questions? I have one. I ask one <laughs> question that I know I'm going to ask you. Maybe two. Where are you from? And that fucking story shit. That's going down in every episode. <laughs> the rest of it. Yeah, Don Smooth's no up in here. Fucking say word. He came back at the right moment. The OG. Yeah. Like, no, no, no. He, no, he just wants to make sure I don't break his record. You know, listen, I got yeah. so much poly. I left some in my will for my kids. Like, we could go eight hours. We're not going to do that. I mean, but I'll no. go three. I'll go three just because Don Smooth went three. Bro, I, I mean, got the sauce. To me, it's like it's energy thing, right? Yeah. I feed off of the idea of it like this. It's a show. So if, like, two people is fucking viewing it, nobody's leaving a single comment, I'm not going to lie. That's, like, 50% of the decision on how long this shit's going to go. Because, <laughs> like... As much as I can run the conversation with you, like I had to do an offline with Basics recently because we we're doing a little collab with Hip Hop You Don't Stop, and they're yeah. airing this shit. And honestly, without the whole like live element, like as you, as you said, like when you go live, the on air shit, it's different. It's a yeah, show it's now. But yeah. in this case, I have the visual stimuli right in my fucking <laughs> face. So if that's not there after a couple of hours at this point, it's like fucking drugs. It's like, bro, I'm not getting high on this experience. Like this is just yeah. like like a low key like not as fun experience for me. I <laughs> You're mean, just kind of just going through the motions, right? It's like fuck it, yo. I I that's happened to me on a on a in a couple maybe one or two major interview, and then you like my mind starts to talk back to itself. It's like, yo, bro, you got to get out of this. Like you, you got to kind of segue out of this. Yeah. And you're like, fuck, I just started. I just started this joint. Yeah, sometimes you know, man, this ain't the one. I knew you were speaking about that before. Like, you know, sometimes we're like, okay, 
Like I'm I'm basically not gonna use this content, but like I'm just gonna I'm well, still gonna I'm gonna use the content because I'm very like, yo, this is a repository. I'm not like look, I don't know that I'm making the best SEO friendly content because nobody's looking up anybody I'm interviewing. So clearly that's not it. But I wanna get grant money for documentaries one day and I yeah. promise you this giant ass channel of videos that are fucking super Montreal centric is gonna help my fucking case. That's how this shit works. <laughs> Yeah, your catalog is heavy, and the fact that you go so long too is wild. Well, you know it's, I mean, you because like you got strength. Well, partly though, it's like COVID worked in the favor of this. Like I would have gone yeah. crazy. Like a lot of people had to deal with a lot of isolation while everyone was tripping balls. I'm like talking to strangers on fucking repeat, which creates a whole different vibe. I'm off. Yeah, you were going party. off. Yeah, you go. I was like, yo, this dude. I'm like, yo, that's another thing about you too, man. You put in your work. A lot of these motherfuckers in Montreal are lazy. People want the titles without putting in the work. I mean, it's just. Like, <laughs> just I can't say that. Know, like, listen, right? listen, I'm not gonna I'll say, say that. it for you. I'll say it for you. I'll Look, say, yo, I've never it's even like, work. yo. So last year at the end of the year, I saw some shit like who put the most work in in terms of rap, yeah. and I'm like, mm. say where? That's a good question. How do we prove that? It's a weird How do you thing. quantify that? I don't know. So I decided I'm going to release the most songs I can this year. It's going to be at least I release the most songs. Are they good? Not my place. <laughs> They're so off the dome, it's ridiculous. Some of them are cool, actually. I'm sure I could take a best of after and give you a <laughs> solid 20 off of this shit. What but do I, you say? You, you just throwing joints out there? Yo, so I, okay, because it started with Meticulous. I don't know if you ever met Meticulous. Yeah, I met Meticulous. He's a little, and with all love to this guy, he's a little hoity-toity, you know? He's a little like, ah-ha. You know, like, he's, just, he's got a vibe to him. So I'm sitting in his fucking crib, and I'm doing my Crossroads Cypher shit. So on Tuesdays, uh, we do the freestyles, right? So I'm getting into my, like, freestyle game. Am I good? I don't fucking know. If you like what I do, you like it, but a lot of hip-hop <laughs> people are not going to like it, and I accept that shit. Fair enough. But like, I love yo, yeah, I love that vibe about you. Yo, like yo, if 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 you could have bottled that energy and sold that, you'd be like a fucking you're more money than Bezos, bro. That level of confidence, people need that shit. You know how much people are going to doctors seeking that feeling that you have. You can teach that like a Tony Robbins. Nah, bro, because <laughs> yo, you got to read a lot of books and shit and get your knowledge yourself on like the fucking mm -hmm. Wu Tang people talk about. Mm -hmm. Like people don't mm -hmm. put that work in. Yo, I lost mm -hmm. a lot of weight. I improved. Like that's you what you feel it is. better about yourself. But in every facet of it, you know, like it, my whole like life elevated and shit. So it's hard to like right. sell that. You gotta work real hard for like way more hours than people know, and that's mm -hmm. the part that nobody likes. But yeah, so I'm with Meticulous, and he sent me these beats, and everybody else sent me beats with no beat tags except for Meticulous. So it's like you're in the middle of it, and it's like purchase your tracks today Seven, uh, blah 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 meticulous beats blah 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 and then all of a sudden i find out he has seven free beats on his website so as a fucking goof because i'm feeling myself and i'm like <laughs> fucking around i say i'm gonna take your fucking seven free beats and i'm gonna freestyle this project and he cares so much about the pristine sound making it yeah perfect. i know i, know, I said i'm gonna make it unmixed and unmastered I'm going to render the files, and I'm, I did the whole shit in three hours live on Twitch. And the seven <laughs> free beats. I called the project Yo Meticulous. I found free beats. 
put the shit out. Yo, I seen that shit on my I seen that shit. I'm like, yo. Sometimes, okay, I gotta ask you this. No, I, I, it's actually twofold. Okay, how much thought do you put into your in, into your rollout? I'm a big fan of rollout. I love how you roll out shit. Um, your names are so catchy. I'm like, when I saw that shit, I seen that on a streaming site. So that I'm was like, that wasn't a lot of thought. That was a good whim. But then the follow up <laughs> was a lot more thought. Like the fact that it's still a thing and it's 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 like a story now is it was a lot of thought. But yeah, I'm really into marketing, organic marketing, community building. My yeah. my perception is we need to build lore. And so like the one thing rappers of yesteryear did that a game we're not a big fan of is rapping about each other and shit. So yeah. it's like to try yeah. to tap into it. So like I did that shit and then I started the seven free beats campaign. And so <laughs> if you look at this shit, this is and it's coffee stained, right? Because it's like fucking meticulous. It's supposed to be <laughs> So now like whenever his beat comes on, I hold up this fucking paper. I just ripped it a bit more. Yo, my chest! <laughs> So yo, like, you're so yo, you're so petty. You you might be the most pettiest white dude in Montreal. You're but so petty. He got eight fucking emails off the move. Yo, actually because like look, I, I'm a troll, but I figure like if I'm gonna troll you, because sometimes <laughs> you need it, it's gonna have to make you a benefit. Because then nobody's gonna come at me. Cause you know that it's almost like a blessing. The yeah. fact is, eight emails is possibly worth one fifty dollar sale or some shit. Plus, exactly. Everybody, okay. So everybody, I did one of these mixtapes with. I talked to ahead of time. In fact, mm -hmm. Vincent Price was like, "Bro, where's my fucking mixtape?" That's how I knew it was a good idea. When the <laughs> beat maker's like, "Bitch, where's my mixtape?" You're like, "What?" Where's my seven free fucking beats? So yeah, but then the next one happened with this guy Bat Crew, and I found <laughs> his beats on YouTube, and I pitched him the concept. Everybody gets their 50-50 on Distro or whatever. Everything's <laughs> off the dome. But Coolman Logan's like, but bro, you know, putting no hooks on the first one. So the second one got hooks. And then I started some wild shit. So like the first one had a track called Buy Montreal Beats. Second one had a track called Steal Montreal Beats where the hook's like, <laughs> so since you're going to steal these beats anyway, may as well steal Montreal Beats today. So I started like going in. I call out people for using Amino Domini, shit like that. And like it just started, the next track's about cycling around Montreal. And I just started spitting shit. One of the tracks is called Justice McFly Taught Me About Google. And that's a flex because if you type in Justice McFly on Spotify right now, it's what shows up. So I jacked his fucking position on Spotify because he taught me about <laughs> SEO. And I'm like, anyway, so it's like that kind of then the next. No, project, no, I definitely love. Yo, we going to talk off air about your SEO knowledge. I, I need to suck all your SEO knowledge off. No, anytime, you, man. man. Then the next one was Skin Deep because he has a project on Bandcamp. So I jacked <laughs> everything that didn't have a rapper on it. And they did that project. Then there was the Vince <laughs> one. He had like 60 beats on SoundClick, so it's a 30-track project. At this point, when I put that out, we're up to like 60-something tracks between May 20th and like the end of July, early, like let's say it was mid-August. And then Merker sent me five beats in my email. You got beats from Merker? In my email for this purpose. So that one just dropped. It's your Merker. I found these in my email. So if you look at it, right, it starts with, I jacked your free beats on the website to motherfuckers and to get sending me exclusive beats for this project in the email. Because, yo, every single fucking start of the track is, yo, Merker, 
All right. Shout out Marker Miyagi for sending me these five free beats to use straight up. And make sure you cop a Marker Miyagi beat pack. All right, Montreal, let's get it. Or some bullshit. Fire. Fire. Every single... Yo, Vince Price. I found these motherfuckers over on SoundClick. Y'all should go check that Technician Beats out. Download that shit. Make your own mixtape. Get it. <laughs> and, and, yo, yeah! So, like, we're up to, like, I don't know, 68 tracks since May 20th. Plus, I have, like, actual studio shit. But, unfortunately, some snafus in the lives of both the engineers have slowed <laughs> down the project. <laughs> Yo, I love how you just pouring out everybody else. Like, yeah, both engineers. Because my, my, my shit's done. What do you do? I'm not, I'm not yeah, an engineer. I already did. Yeah. I rapped. I sent off all the vocals. <laughs> I'm not the you engineer. I'm, for, I'm not an engineer. Nobody. Merker didn't want me to mix his project, so he mixed it for free. He mixed the project for free. That's crazy. Because he didn't want me to mix the Merker project because I'm not a good engineer. I mix the rest of them. They're trash. It's almost like, yo, bro, I think, so I don't know if you ever heard of Frank Stacks, but he has this whole rap is a joke shit. And I thought about it and I said, a lot of people spend a lot of money when there's not a lot of fans yet for like the scene. So it's kind of weird to me. And I'm like, let's, let's pretend I'm 17. If I'm 17, I'm not going to worry about the best engineering job. I'm going to drop a lot of bullshit and then hope it <laughs> sticks. So I'm yeah. like, fuck that. Saturated I'm 17 again. Because, yo, who's really caring about new music except for young people? So, you know, people yeah. with iPhone 6s, $17 <laughs> earbuds, ain't nobody with fucking good gear. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> who the fuck's like, but who How do you get your mind to think like that? Like, yo, 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 that's a deep well. You went from like, how do you even conceptualize that idea? Like, okay, I'm gonna think like a 17 year old. I interviewed a 17 year old, <laughs> <laughs> and he was teaching me about Instagram by the end of the interview. He he gave me the greatest idea I haven't rolled out yet. <laughs> but like, <laughs> this kid was schooling us. But yo, 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 we underestimate them though, because you got to think about them. They're coming through with YouTube at 10, and yeah. so they're like six years of sound engineering by 17. And it's like, say word, I'm six years or whatever at 33. Oh, but they're 17. So they did it. Then they have no money. And they're, bro, they're doing beta tests and shit on their Insta. <laughs> this fucking 20-year-old from Greensfield Park hit me up because uh, I've done a couple of the Greensfield Park peoples now. And, um, <laughs> and this, like, fucking 20-year-old hits me up. And I check his Insta, and it's just like honestly a demo tape. It's seven one-minute snippets in a fucking post, and I'm like, it snagged me, and I'm like, yeah, let's do this interview. I really kind of, you might do something. I want to be like your first interview in my head. I'm like, let's do it. But yeah, I was like, would you have thought to try that? No, because no. we're old as fuck, and we never would have thought that shit. This kid didn't give a fuck. Unmixed, unmastered, seven shits, like, and I'm like, well, that kid's doing it. Who the fuck am I? Am I famous? This guy's going to get more followers than me. I should copy him. The fuck am I copying? Old man who didn't do it? No offense to anybody that didn't do it. But like once the internet, yo, it's not the mixtape game, right? I didn't, I could not compete in that market, but we're in the internet game. And I happen to work for a software company. My day job is super related to community building, branding, reputation management, organic shit. Everything that has nothing to do with paid marketing and social. It's everything <laughs> else. So, like, that's my specialty. And then it's like, yo, software is kind of boring, but music's not. But weirdly yeah. enough, you face the same challenges. Yeah. 
So I got a lot of corporate crossover experience that I would argue not a lot of people who are actively involved in this have. No, yo, listen, your mixtape shit was crazy. I'm like, yo, just think of, what is he on? Yo, <laughs> you're moving like Lil Wayne back in old too. Like how yo. much, how much songs are you trying to put out this year? 250? I don't know. At first I was like 150, but then it's like you start getting into it and you're like life happens and you're like, well, I'll like, I don't know how many I'll actually do, but I was just like, I'm going to keep doing it. Like the next dude, this guy, Mayor Penguin Beats has a 24 pack that's free for profit use. Just you get them. And he's was in Cote d'Ivoire for a minute. Now he's in Amos, Quebec, wherever the fuck that is. And But that's Montreal enough because for me, it's all about Montreal too. I'm yeah. only fucking with Montreal. Right, I'm, yeah, I love that about you, man. You about your city, man. None of people's about that, bro, man. You I was about like, your city, man. but yo, almost all of my beats, except for the because one project I linked up with a guy in Alabama. I mean, that's like a, that's a that's a thing. But other than yeah. that, by accident, it's all Montreal. Like I wasn't trying to just do we all. We have Montreal. great beat makers here. You don't have to go anywhere else. We have there's art major artists in states bro, always come here for. Beat I didn't know too. what a fucking beat stars or a sound click or I didn't know what any of that shit was until like really a year or two ago because I just never had to like there was just always beats here and then I found out a lot of people didn't do that shit and that's wild to me I'm not saying that everyone <laughs> didn't but I'm like yo like really like there's a lot bro man Montreal just has so much power here. Like in every commodity, Vi videographers, holy shit, they're all here. Yeah. Like there's like a hundred people with drones ready to it's go. It's an artist city, man. It's a art. It's, it's a super creative artist city. Everything is here. Yeah, you know I mean, some of the some some of the greatest, youngest, genius minds are here. Absolutely. But I, I feel I, I feel like we're like right there on the cusp of everything. Like we're right in between that younger generation and that really old generation. I feel like we're like somewhere in the cusp. Like we could really benefit from both sides of the fence. I feel like it's honestly a project management issue. Like, the, <laughs> like I know it sounds wild, but it's like if you think about the whole city as a company, nobody wants yeah. to think about it like that. Somebody was in my face being like, bitch, it's not about the money. Think about the culture. I'm like, I don't know about that. I spend a lot of money every month. <laughs> I don't know. Yes. If I, yes. Like, like you feel a little bit different. Shut up for the follows. I read your mails. So yeah, think of the city like like a project management as you're yeah, talking about. And it's like when you get down no, to like, like a company, the, like a company. The yeah. Like and a company. then it's like, there's no real structure at like the top level. There's a lot of like low end. So like there's a lot of like manager and teams and, but like when you get to like the executive tier of like deciding like kind of a top level direction, it kind of disappears. Cause it feels like at that level, there's not a lot of people that want to like pursue it to that scope. And I don't yeah. fully know why, you know, like it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Uh, so what? So what are you saying? You feel like more people should aspire to be to be a decision maker, to be a to be in well, at I a feel top like tier level. These are fucking. Are there's roles that need to be played, yeah. right? Like a lot of people just, I find like when you talk to artists, at least, I mean, especially if you're an artist in your 30s, maybe you should aspire mm -hmm. to. Some people play more of the roles, right? Like, yeah, like. I'm a shitty promoter. I can go throw shows. I'm a shitty promoter. I'm telling y'all one time, it's not really my forte. It's more like a thing that like I would do out of necessity, right? But yeah. then it's like on top of that, where's the people who want to be street team? Where's the people who want to yeah. like, I don't know, like just be copywriters to do the press kits? Yeah, better like, structure. We do We do need better like, structure. Like it's kind of helped us scout like, to there now like get into the more management side of it. It's like, who wants to be the booking agent? 
I'm yeah. not a booking agent. I'm telling you, I'm terrible at that shit. But like so- somebody like needs to play like a lot of these roles, and it's wild to me yeah. how few people actually do. Yeah, it doesn't, you know. And then and then the flip side that you got some people that kill themselves trying to fulfill all the roles, you know. Sometimes out of necessity, and sometimes just out of just pure selfishness, and not willing to work with other people. But yeah, we do need a better structure. But how how do you incite people to like focus in on a specialty? Some people just don't want to do everything by themselves. How do you how do you motivate people to to kind of buckle down and just do a specialty? It's different people people aren't engaged like that, man. Everyone just kind of just watching everybody else. Okay, well, okay, well, this works. So we're all gonna follow. We're all gonna jump on that formula. Um, I know what I'm gonna try and do, <laughs> but like, I, yeah, but you're but you're an outlier. You know you're an outlier. And you understand what you're trying to do. A lot of people are still figuring out themselves and trying to understand shit. You know what you're trying to do, and you're going to try different ways to execute to get yourself to your end goal. Well, it's not just about me. It's about like the scene, right? Like yeah. I have like a vision for like what I can contribute to the greater good of this scene. Mm. Right. Like mm-hmm. in the same way that like CY wanted to bring showcases and really try to keep that spirit alive. Yeah. Right. Like that is an yeah, effort. We do need that. And so like for me, I know that marketing data, that's my shit. So we're going to be looking mm. into what we can do to track improve mm-hmm. and kind of create yeah. like yo there's nobody that's talking about trends really there's just who has views and whatnot like the conversations yeah. are so like superficial but at the same time where is the source that's like actually spending the hours to go dig into crates of montreal soundcloud and find that kid who just put up their first record and put them on a website because yeah. yeah. yo that 17 year old who you has one track that you just put on a website would go tell everybody about your shit. I promise way more than the established act. So oh, it's for like, sure. <laughs> you have to like kind of reverse engineer that, but we also have to build yeah. these resources. So it's not just myself. Yeah. Like I'm trying to talk to other people. Like I know me and meticulous have been talking about some stuff and like, man, he's a good dude. It's like a matter of then those of us that are passionate about this in general, working together to create that yeah. environment and, and to like, bring that vision to light but also getting all of us in a room together or on a zoom however it plays out yeah but to even have those <laughs> conversations because like i don't think a lot because we're all so busy our schedules are so yeah. trash in terms of like, yeah no i totally agree with you everybody's schedule is trash and, and what you're saying is what we should all be doing i think part of the issue is what you're saying like we focus sometimes too much on the schedule and sometimes we don't focus on the greater good of the goal being that Yo, we have a scene to impact here. At some point, we do have to work with each other. This can go along much better if we all collectively kind of like do different initiatives together. But the thing is, a lot of egos, man. There's a lot of egos, man. There's a lot of egos and a lot of guys have excuses. A lot of guys don't want to don't wanna group up. There, there's some people that they want to be, they want to tell themselves, yo, I accomplished this without nobody's help. I did this. This is not how this is going to get done. This is not how the scene's going to grow. This is not how we're going to have a certain level of growth. Like, this is not how that's going to work. We have to do different initiatives together at some point. But it's also got to be the acknowledgement that, like, the city's huge. Whatever yeah. we're doing, there's probably another, like, two, three of us in the same age group with mm-hmm. the same exact emotional frame that we just never heard of on the fact that the city's giant and we're all probably <laughs> got no real internet presence. Because, like, even if you have 10,000 followers on Insta, like, that's that's not a lot. It's, it's like a mm-hmm. small number. It sounds like a lot. It's a lot for like a lot of people I know, but yeah, it's not like easy to find on Insta a lot. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I just, these are the things I kind of think about, but 
I mean, like, I guess people do glorify that self-madeness, but, like, to me, it's like, ah, I think another part of it is a lot of people, I think people have to work with young people because old people with established skills make money, and they know they can make money not here, so it's pointless. So we all need to, like, kind of take on a more mentorship role and just find a bunch of young people because, yo, for real, that would probably bridge that gap ultimately and fucking make it happen. And I don't know how many people think about that, but I think that's the best solution because you're not going to convince a 35 year old that can sell beats to be like yo make free beats for the cause that easily like you can find some <laughs> but it's like you're going to get to challenges along the way but a 19 year old might be like yo say oh, word oh fuck fuck he'll open up the whole shit to you man I remember being I, fuck, man, I remember being that age going check my guys in my age who trying to get beats hey, they're like yo they'll show you the whole fucking thing but I totally agree with you like similar to how you do with um with the music scene in terms of the podcast scene I have young kids like that I'm teaching how to podcast, teaching how to produce their own shows, showing them, yo, you can use StreamYard, you can use this, you know, these are the mics you buy, these are the sound cards you get. You guys could utilize the equipment and put out your own YouTube shows. And yo, it's dope to see how empowering these guys get. It's just like, oh, I can do this. And you, I bring them to my house and I let them record and all that shit. Yo, man, you gotta, you gotta fuck with young people, man. This whole fucking distance and gap bullshit, it's bullshit. We're all, we all love the same shit, whether it be musically hip-hop or hip-hop from the podcast avenue. We all love this urban culture, you know what I mean? And we it's a collective thing. Hip-hop has always been an inclusive thing. It's for, it's for everybody to enjoy. But we got to all feed into it. We all got to feed into it. We have to work with young people. I totally agree with you. I do it every week, man. I do it every week. Why would you train your competition? I'm like, it's not competition. It's the next generation, man. <laughs> like, what are we talking about? Hey, this is what I've learned. Hold that. If he takes that and does something better than I did, yeah, I'm happy for that, man. Somehow I influenced that somehow. I'm happy for that. For some people, that's not enough. Well, even know. like people my age, it's like, yo, it, it, like look at Twitch. Twitch is like a, a community game. It's kind of hard to grow on Twitch when nobody else is playing on Twitch. Like somebody said, Weezy should be on Twitch. I'm like, yeah, you should be. I don't yeah, know if he's there, yeah, but you yeah, yo, shout, shout out to my boy Holden. Uh, he sent me all the information. I'm coming on Twitch, um, sometime in September. I was getting my pictures pretty, you know, because you know, I saw Holden with his marketing role. I said, nah, nah, he gonna drop a million mixtapes. I'm gonna come hard with mine, but yeah, man, um, yo, thank you for that email. I'm coming on Twitch, I'm gonna follow your lead, and yeah, we're gonna make it a thing, man. We're gonna fucking blast that bitch up. And then that's it. Then the more of us that do it, then the more popular it gets. But then all of a sudden, this whole vibe happens. Like, yo, even getting people to agree on the correct live platform has been the challenge for me. I'm like, why are you on Instagram live, people? I hate Instagram live. I I think I've had, like, two good Instagram live shows. I hate Instagram live. Yo, this is great. Like... You told me about Twitch. I looked at it. My brother, my brother's been in my ear about it. Yo, I got to jump on, man. I like the energy, man. But yeah, we need to grow that community as well, especially from the podcast angle. From what you and I was talking about off here, I like that vibe. Yeah, man. I mean, in general, though, uh, what, what do you think? What's coming next for you in terms of the world of Wheezy Moonchaser? Now that the world <laughs> is opening up again. <clears throat> ah, this guy. Um... I can't really cook. You know, I can make about four or five dishes. Um, I've had this character called Cooking with Jack. Cooking with Jack started as a joke I used to do for my uh, my best friend, Zadie and Lorena. And the rare times I'll cook for them or I'll videotape myself cooking for myself, I'll do this character called Cooking with Jack. 
So I've always wanted to do a cooking show where I go to different people's house and they cook the real shit and I just talk shit and do the witty banner stuff. But it's actually dope because I get to teach other fucking niggas that don't know how to cook. We get to learn how to really cook different shit and have dope banner. Because if you Google it, you can't take a West Indian cooking class in Montreal. There's no no YMCA, no rec room. You can't get the And I'm going to do other kind of meals as well, but there is no West Indian cooking class you can get. Like, so I want to go to different old school, Haitian, West Indian, whatever the case may be. And just, you know, cook, make them cook. I might cut up some fruits and vegetables, whatever the case may be. And, you know, have a, have some witty banners. So that's called cooking with Jacques. Right. Um, huh? I said, right. Yeah, not- oh, this guy, I'm going to have you on too and see what dish you could make. Nah, oh, you bro, don't that's, cook. That's a terrible idea. <laughs> Maybe my girlfriend, she'll like come up with one of the stuff. But now nah, I'm like really like. Yo, like, I finished this shit, it's late, I'm like, what is the most basic shit I can eat that has nutrients, <laughs> that, like, doesn't require effort, and yeah. it's like, okay, so it's like frozen vegetables, some meat shit, throw it all in a pan, yeah. fucking die, I'm not really the best for their cooking, I'm good for other shit, but... Yeah, yo, yo, me neither, man, me neither, so yo, we have cooking with Jacques, um... Yo, but I'm maybe I'll watch do- your show, and then I'll, like, study some shit, and we can do Holden recreate shit he learned on cooking that, with Jacques. That's my goal, <laughs> look, look at the guy just fucking remixed my whole fucking show idea, and I'm like, how can I mess up cooking with Jacques? <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're gonna come up with the not cooking with Jacques, you're like, yo, we wait till Weezy puts it out, and then we watch not cooking with Jacques, it's just much funnier. And then um, I want to try my hand at the Weezy Shopping Network. I feel like I sell shit, and I have a lot of companies that fuck with me, so I'm going to start my own Weezy Shopping Network. So I'm basically going to spoof the Shopping Network, shopping network, and, uh, yeah, man, flip it and do it my way. That's wild. That's, like, a way cooler two ideas than I'm fucking expecting when that started, right? Like, you don't expect it. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just, like, like you, usually it's like, okay, so I got a project dropping in in the fall. <laughs> and it's like no i'm gonna start oh. a, i'm gonna start a fucking oh, the, cooking show and oh that's what you wanted no i mean uh, i'm just curious i no, i have that too no but i, I, but I didn't think you wanted that i just <laughs> i just ask the questions right i let people yeah. answer i'm like when i do ask like what's coming next i don't know what the fuck's coming next i've never asked like it's you up to people to tell me what they want to tell me but then like you just chose to i'm like yo that's some big shit like sometimes people got wildly cool shit but usually it's like some <laughs> Vague answer, and no offense yeah. to people with vague answers. <laughs> now, Weezy Shopping Network, yeah, man. Um, uh, real quick, three years ago, um, I broke my uh, my right foot paintballing at Bigfoot. I jumped down my road, she slipped down, cracked the whole shit, fractured all around it. So, I'm a guy that went from working 135 hours a week to just staying home with my feet up all day for 11 weeks. I went fucking crazy. So, I had different addictions every week. So one week I was addicted to like uh, liquor. One week I fucking ordered off Sherbrooke off that uh, fancy rib place all week. So I had all these different addictions and I'm taking. And at the same time, um, I'm fucking healing for my foot. I take out all four of my wisdom teeth. So I'm hyped up on all the drugs. I'm uh, like, I'm morphine out. And they're like, yeah, don't smoke weed or cigarettes because it's going to reduce. Like, it's going to fuck up your bone ceiling. So I reduced it just a little bit, but like I'm high off codeine. I'm taking pills every four or five hours. My feet, I have like 12 screws on my right foot. I'm all fucked. I start hallucinating for seven days. I'm hooked on the shopping network. I almost bought every pan, toaster, knife possible. I was hooked. I was hooked. And ever since then, I was like, yo, I can do this. And, you know, I like to sell shit. I used to sell clothes with niggas out of the Bronx for a couple of years. That's how I got through college and shit. So I knew I could do this a little bit. So I was like, okay, I think I can spoof it. 
then I look around like, oh, yo, I have all these companies that fuck with me with all these shows and shit. I think it's a good way for me to hype them up, try to make a little cut for myself. And also, yo, it's a dope show. Man's just like, fuck that. I'm going to make fun of shit and be an affiliate marketer. <laughs> <laughs> Link in description, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> no, the Weezy Shopping Network is coming early this fall. Uh, that'll be coming to uh, YouTube near you in November. But yeah, Cooking with Jacques uh, is going to come early February. I'm really excited about that. That one has probably more regulatory concerns than the other one, eh? <laughs> Which one? The, the cooking the, with Jacques. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's gonna be uh that's gonna be a logistics nightmare. But I think it's gonna be funny to get in there with like younger people and older people that cook West Indian food or whatever fancy dish they want to cook. And just me being an idiot in the kitchen is gonna be hilarious. No, I'm definitely gonna burn wild. a lot of shit. I'm that's definitely gonna, well, it's cooking with Jacques. I'm even gonna have eight prints and everything that says Jacques. Yeah, it's gonna cook with Jacques. You're not even going to come in as Wheezy Moonchaser. You're just going to come in as Jacques. Yeah, it's, no, that show was cooking with Jacques. It's Jacques. So I you're do Jacques. Like, you're like basically Montreal, Sasha Baron Cohen. No, no, no. no. Like, like, he's a real actor, but I have, yeah, I have different modes. I'm just saying, man, like, that's the level of commitment to roles. And he's like, you know, in that moment, that's what it is. I'm a new person with a yeah, new personality. No. That's yeah, cooking with, cooking with Jacques is if a hood dude was to be like on a, on a real cooking show and I'm just there and I'm not being ghetto. It's just a different vibe. So we was like, Oh fuck. Oh, he has that mode. Yeah. I have that mode, but yeah. And at the same time too, it helps me out. Cause I get to learn how to fucking cook for free. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's like, it's not, a win win. I, I get dope content out of it. Bro, I had a similar idea on t <laughs> basically take me to like a village de valor and you pick out what I'm supposed to buy. Cause what the fuck do I know? I don't have very good fashion sense. So I figured if I got a bunch of fashionable hip-hop people to bring me to the damn store, I mean, whatever, Fire. I could afford that shit. But then we film it like a vlog almost. Yeah. And then it's like a fucking like experience. And I get that knowledge of fashion because I'm like, oh, say word, this shit actually does matter to like a whole <laughs> bunch of people that are not me. Yo, that okay. idea is fucking fly. But see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I was talking about. This is the Spielberg and the George Lucas coming together. That's and, it. Wait, you know what I mean? Where we're cooking. That's it. Like, but I might, are you George Lucas and I'm Steven Spielberg or is it the other way around? I don't know, man. I'm pretty geeky, so it's hard to tell because they're both kind of geeky. Okay, you're Lucas because you got the, That's you're, it. you're Lucas and I'll, I'm Spielberg. I'll take, I'll take that. Where is it? Where and that works because Spielberg did E.T. E.T. phone home and I'm Weezy Moon Chaser, so that works out. Fantastic. Yo, that. When I fuck with niggas, they get a special nickname. You the George Lucas of the game to my Love Steven <laughs> Spielberg. That's hard. That's hard. Love it. Yo, I'm doing that intro this Friday. I'm going to let the city know. It's fucking amazing. Bro, if you're doing that this Friday, I'm like, okay, say word. I'm up at that time. I'll fucking knock on the door and be like, say word. Slide true. No, the door is open. We right there. You, you the George Lucas. I'm the Steven Spielberg. You know how we do things. Bro, why? She man said you can be on the radio. You just good because you got to say I'm up at that time, right? That's when I do my read and walk. <laughs> <laughs> yo, yo, come to say what's up, man. I'm definitely gonna let the people know that's your new nickname. You the George Lucas of recording, I'll take it, bro. You, you, you getting Lucas a nickname is just what it is. Let them say, it. let them run it. Then people can debate <laughs> that shit. Fuck that, he is. Fuck that, he's not. Oh, say a word. Let him do. The, no, you the George Lucas of recording. Me and you, we like Spielberg and Lucas. No, that's hard. That, yo, yo, that's some you said shit. you had bars. What are your 16 bars? 
Bro, I don't have no 16 right now, man. I got 16. Like, what? You want to battle me? No, no, no. You, you said you stuff? had a 16 that you could show that you had written that you ah, said you would do earlier. It's not fire. It's not fire. I, what? You got a beat? No, I ain't got no 16, man. I ain't got no 16. <laughs> but but I love to jump in the studio with you just, just for the sake of doing it. Just for know, the sake man. of doing it. I just record shit right here. Cause like again, right then you say you don't you don't get up you don't stand up you let the actually up. so say word that depends on who you fucking ask now I do both it depends on what <laughs> the fuck it is but I was talking to like engineers and producers and they were like motherfucker when you write the song are you sitting or standing and I'm like chances are I'm actually sitting because I'm on the bus or some shit right so you actually learn to breathe sitting. And then you get to the studio and you're standing and you never learn to breathe standing to do these verses. So there's actually like a time loss unless you practice that shit or you're aware of it. Mm. But then I realized you could just sit and do it. So I literally started all the mixtapes. I'm in the chair. I'm like, whatever, whatever. I'll just like spit the verse like this. But usually like I'll just put the mic over there or stand it up and then like stand up and do it. No, I... Nah, I'd rather hold standing up. My energy has to flow up. Nah, like, like, I hate sitting down. The, the mic stand has a vertical. You just put it over there, and it stands. Like, like I, like I basically, like, redid a project because it it's an EDM thing, and dudes was like, you need more energy. He said it in more specific terms, but so I had to do that <laughs> one, stand it up. He's like, you, you sound like you're tired, your mouth is dry, and you're a little too high. And I'm like, damn, that sounds like you really fucking listened enough to criticize that so specifically. <laughs> so I'm like, fair enough. So then I made sure to stand up, though, because of the vibe. Or like, <clears throat> sometimes I'll do some shit where if it's angry, I'll clench my fist and tense up my muscles and shit. Like, getting the whole vibe of it. But yeah, no, the sitting was new. It was an experiment because producers were like, why are you standing? And I'm like, I don't know. Everyone said you're supposed to. Right? Like, yeah. and then... I didn't know you could not stand. And then I tried it. And so, like, yeah, sometimes I'll do it sitting depending on the vibe. Because, yo, if you want that, no, that's like... That's weird. I'll never think about that, man. That's but, like, weird. if you want that, like, laid-back vibe, maybe the move isn't to be standing because you want to be almost, like, yeah, now nah, I'm fucking nah, chilling nah. like this because I'm... You know, like, you get that vibe. Whereas, like, standing, it's going to be a different energy. And it's, I don't know, that's how I look at it now. Like, I'm trying to experiment with all of that kind of shit. No, as you should. As you should, man. This is your shit. Play with it a little bit. But me personally, I've gone used to sitting down because of the pandemic. But, yeah, I'm at my best standing up. You know, that's why I could flow it out. I, I'm energy, man. I'm hype. I'm selling the shit. Let's go. That's fair. I like that for a lot of things. Um, but not when I'm streaming. Uh, <laughs> I, when you stream like to sit down? To, if I have to, like... Okay, so like yeah, the streaming you would sit down like like this so, like this has been cool. And like even when I'm doing a song, I got the Reaper up in my face. Man, you don't want to be like bending over to like slide. So you just kind of like yo. I mean, sitting up and standing down every six seconds is an awful experience. And you don't you want to be like crouching over on the camera and shit. So yeah. like for the sake of like the show, in that environment. But like if I'm off cam, I'm standing. Like, if I'm not live, I'm going to be set up different and I'm, like, doing it yeah. like that. But I just started doing a lot of my music making over Twitch on some, oh, say word. Y'all do it in private? I'm going to do it in public. Let's mm -hmm. go. And I wrote a bunch of shit in public. <clears throat> no, man. Yo, listen, man. Yo, you're fearless. You're fearless, though. That's why you Lucas. 
That's why you, Lucas. I'm gonna call Doc. I'm gonna text Doc. See, yo, Holden is George Lucas of recording now. That's it. That's fucking We're bagging amazing. them up. That's it. I you gotta do a it. tape called that now, George Lucas of recording. I'll you figure it out, man. Honestly, at this point in time, you never fucking know where it's gonna yeah, go man. with it. Cause like, I'll, you know what I found out? People like it when you release music. I didn't know yeah. this was a thing, but a lot of people who I don't know, even, I don't even know who the people are, cause it's not like the producers were snitching. They alluded to the fact that many people record music and let it sleep forever and ever. Amen. Yeah. And I'm like, that's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people do that. You know, that's also in the old, like our older demographic. But now a lot of them are coming to their sense like, yo, let's just put this shit out. Like, what's the point sitting on shit? Like, I used to do that like years ago. And then I spoke to somebody deeper in the game. They're like, yo, put the shit out. Why the fuck you sitting on it? Put the shit out. You did the shit. Fix it the way you want to fix it and put it out. Yo, and it's like but a lot of people are still sitting on shit, especially yo, you rapper guys. You got mad songs sitting on. I don't have mad songs. Pretty much, I'm just putting everything out. I'm like, yeah, I better. know your ass is but putting like, everything out. But, but most like, here's guys. the thing, though: is y'all can't tell you when I'm gonna like your song. Like, I don't think Below the Kid is expecting how much I like the Hollywood song. I fucking dig mm -hmm. this shit heavy, man. I'm gonna spin <laughs> this shit so much because I'm obsessed with it. Like, I'm, and you think like this shit's like what fucking three and a half years old. Yeah. You know, he's probably like, whatever. And now I'm like, fuck that. I dig this shit. People need to bump Hollywood by Below the Kid. It is what it is. And that's just kind of how it happens now. People aren't really used to the linear nature of music. Like, yeah. your release is good for a weekend. Then it's people discovering it based on the natural trend of whatever yeah, it would have been that, otherwise. That organic shit, yeah. And then, you know, sometimes you want to go hear what the 2013 shit sounds like. Sometimes you want to hear what the other shit, like, you know, like people are a little more like private investigators about their fucking musical <laughs> exploration. And I think they're also like not audiophiles. So like, that's another huge part. Like they don't hear shit that we care about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, we're different, man. We're creators, man. Spielberg and Lucas. Nah, but yeah, man. That. We broke that. Three I fucked hours, up down man. smooth, huh? I just confirm I passed down smooth. I'm like pretty a talk sure you did. I think it's like talk show it. I'm like 90. Hold on. Let me do it. Let me check right now just to make sure we do it. Because if I'm wrong, you're going to be like, motherfucker, I told you to confirm. All right. I'm going <laughs> to do it right now because I like to be proper with my shit. And it'll take two seconds to type his name into the search box. See, this is not easy standing up. It's easy. Two hour fifty three. Oh shit, that was edited. Live is different than edited, to be fair. So yeah, we definitely passed it. Because we're live past three hours and whatever. Oh no. Cause we started ten minutes late. Oof, let's do yeah. this math. Or so let's say eight minutes, seven minutes late. We're right on par with the Don Smooth. I think the edited version is gonna end up longer because I don't take pee breaks because I stopped drinking coffee before these motherfuckers. <laughs> Yo, yeah, man. This has been crazy. I definitely was not expecting uh, three hours. I was like, okay, I'll do about an hour or whatever. I was hoping for it. I, I, I was. I mean, I know people. I've had multiple <laughs> people to my face be like, bitch, you ain't getting that interview. And I'm like, oh, say word. Come to me, guy. You don't know what you're getting into. And it's a dance. <laughs> you basically, I'm not single. And this is the fucking closest shit to seduction I get. <laughs> It is a dance, and it's funny because, yo, we refer to things similarly. Like, I refer to it as a dance as well. It's a dance, man. And that's it. Like, my goal here is to get you to talk, which I think I did a good job of. 
but also <laughs> to like flex because like if i'm not doing yeah. that then that's i think another mistake like you you gotta like if you watch every top tier interviewer a huge chunk of the show is you want to watch the interviewer say shit i don't necessarily care about the guest all the time on a joe rogan let's say back when i watched mm -hmm. that shit i don't watch him no more it's just a weird vibe but like <laughs> sometimes people change or you realize what they is and it's just like oh that's a weird vibe now but like you realize that all of these guys like a joe budden they're all like personalities and it's like yeah. if you're not like a personality like i want motherfuckers to be talking about me like when they talk about the voice of the city don smooth yeah. like motherfuckers say the voice of the city to me okay like they say that shit like they can't just say don smooth i'm like say a fucking word that is a level of like dope association over years of like fucking classical conditioning and shit but that's fire <laughs> like that's amazing that's fire. This but but you still slipped in the classical conditioning in there that's hilarious no it's yeah for so. sure <laughs> <laughs> no i never said you was wrong no definitely so that's why I killed him with the Montreal Kobe shit. I killed That's him with it. that shit. I heard that. And you're like, you did that a long time. I'm like, say a word. I'm like, who hates him? I'm like, everybody loves the guy. I'm like, I'm, like, <laughs> I'm, sh I'm sure though, there's somebody who's like, I fucking hate him. I'm watching this right oh, now. Oh, for sure. I fucking hate him. Yeah, and, and I need that. Dislike. I need that. Yo, I'll leave, with, I'll leave with this last tidbit because I always tell guys that geek-tastic this shit. They love this shit because I was... Uh, they always fucking laugh. I said, I'm kind of like Jordan. Like, anything you saw from Jordan in, in that fucking ESPN shit, what was that fucking, uh, the nine, what's the nine part series? There yeah. was a called this one. They had the last dance. You see how Jordan takes every little slight and just uses it as fuel? I'm the same way. I take every slight. I'm like, I, like, I'm not gonna, like, get mad at you and do something, like, physical towards you, but I take every slight as a war, as, as a war sign. Like, I'm like, okay, we going at it. Skinny and them look at me like I'm fucking crazy. I'm like, yo, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Everything I'm on. Let's go. I use it as fuel. Oh, you don't think I could do something? Oh, I love it. Let's go. Yeah. Oh, you don't like me? Oh, I love it even more. I love that. I mean, my girlfriend is a big fan of saying I can't do things. It has never worked in her favor to tell me I can't <laughs> do because I'll have some wild ass idea and she'll be like, you can't do that. I'm like, oh, you said I can't fucking do some grandiose giant thing. <coughs> I start plotting. It doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> it could take the rest of my life. We're doing all of them. <laughs> but see, no more coffee. You on the water. So, yeah, man. Well, this yeah, has no, been great, man. At this time, I mean, yeah, I, I realized at a certain point in life, you got to stop coffee because I'm not like in my 20s and shit metabolizes slower. <laughs> and it's just the facts of the shit. But, yeah, no, it's been <laughs> great, man. I don't want to keep you here. I'm also it's, it's, Yo, it's crazy. It just, wild, hit, man. it just hit the highest fucking number. Of fucking live viewers is the crazy part. How much? We hit 13 just now. And that's uh, a while. Yo, shout out everybody. Cause you're yo, shout out to everybody. Yo, I can't see what's going on. Yo, this has been great, man. <laughs> it's been a fun time, man. You'll by, see, when by, you watch it after, about the to comments is on the screen. So you'll be able to peep that later. Yeah, let me speed up. I'm about to, like, turn the lights off and dive into the Drake. Drake, fuck, he fucked me up again, man. He's I haven't always heard him full yet. I haven't I haven't finished it yet. It fucked me. Pipe down got me fucked up. <laughs> I've been with that girl. And I know he's he's halfway talking about Kanye as well. So I love like it's the pretty boys versus the petty team. It's a beautiful thing. But yo, man, this music thing is beautiful, man. Like I know what Drake is talking about. Like it's it's crazy, man. I know it. 
So yeah, man, I appreciate having you coming through, man. I no, thank you for great. having me, man. You've been dope. All your links and shit will be down below. You don't have to worry about that because it's just <laughs> easier that way. Thank you all for watching, for real, because it's Respect. super, super duper great to get all of you out here. For those of you watching in the future, while you missed out on all the fun shenanigans of the now, you can go <laughs> ahead and hit the like, comment, and subscribe and show your appreciation and love and all that good shit. On that note, everybody, I am totally preparing the raid right now. Boom, I've hit that one button. I got to mute this awful ad. And on that note, live long and fucking <laughs> prosper, everybody. George Lucas!